This is Free Talk Live, uh, your show. You take control of the airwaves, toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features you'll find there because, unlike those other radio talk show hosts, we give them away for free. Once again, that is freetalklive.com. With an update starting things out tonight, Mark, New York City, what's going on? It's nothing good if it's New York City. No, it generally isn't. Uh, MSNBC reporting that uh, New York passes the trans fat ban. I suspect everyone's oh, heard this. Um, heard man, that. we're all safe. This is great news. Mm-hmm. Now we can all live long, happy lives, uh, or at least New York City denizens, because uh, the city council is looking out for those people. Well, it's not just the city council. It's uh, you know, Mayor Bloomberg is uh, is, is is a rather uh, health conscious gentleman himself. And um, so, you know, let's give him his credit. Now everybody gets to be health conscious whether or not they wanted to. But wait a minute. I'm, I'm thinking back um, when I was a kid, it seemed like I was told that uh, you should eat margarine instead of butter because margarine's much better for you. Yeah, that stuff's nasty. Well, it doesn't matter what you think it tastes like. It's trans fat. Now mm. I'm being told I shouldn't eat margarine, I should eat butter, because butter's better for me than the margarine. <laughs> Do you understand what these frickin' morons are doing? They're just going with the flow. I mean, it, this is like saying, well, the Adkins diet's the right one. Oh, mm-hmm. the, the lower-calorie diet's the way to go. You should eat all carbs. You should eat no carbs. Hey, it's just one of those ebbs and flows and the nutritional thing. Have they really been able to prove, yes, they can um, link supposedly trans fat to cholesterol, but you can't link cholesterol to heart attacks. I mean, people believe it. It's sort of uh, it's sort of doctor voodoo. They believe it, but it's just not true. There's no conclusive studies. And the fact that these bureaucrats would be so presumptuous as to decide basically on, you know, just n- no information at all that they can uh, modify what you eat, how you eat it, and uh, how I serve my food, I, I just don't understand. I don't know where they get off. Well, um, they're, they're in charge, and they're power mongers, and they believe that uh, they, it's, in their, it's their duty to look out for the little guy, to look out for little Johnny American who doesn't understand what he should eat for breakfast and take control of his, uh, his uh, diet and take control of every single business out there within New York City limits that serves food that happen to use trans fat. Now, I don't happen to be a fan of margarine personally, but if I'm eating a delicious pizza and uh, it's not going to be so delicious anymore because they can't use trans fat or whatever because I've heard for some reason that it's it's actually fairly tasty. I don't I don't know. For some reason I thought margarine and trans fat were uh were different. Maybe there's different things that have trans fat in them or there's is it so, just margarine? No, no. I mean, uh, it it's one of those things. Uh, trans fat is uh, partially hydrogenated soybean oil, partially hydrogenated oil, vegetable oil in general. I see. And um, that's, you know, that's what defines it. Let me read the article, and we can uh, go ahead and yeah. talk about these things. Because this is a bad idea. <clears throat> I was just kidding. The Board of Health voted Tuesday to make New York the nation's first city to ban artery-clogging artificial <laughs> trans fat at restaurants. Wouldn't it be great if we could have Free Talk Live, the arter- you know, put those adjectives in front of our show? <laughs> Free Talk Live, the most artery-clogging talk show of all time. We'd get banned within a matter of years. That'd be great. Um, it's from the corner pizzeria to high-end bakeries. The board, which passed the ban unanimously, did give restaurants a slight 
break by relaxing what could be considered a tight deadline for compliance. <laughs> Restaurants will be barred from using most frying oils containing artificial trans fats by July and will have to eliminate the artificial trans fats from all their foods oh by July gosh. of 2008. So, there, you know, there's a deadline in July and then there's another deadline um, six months from now and then another one from uh, okay. 18 months from now. The restaurant industry representatives called the ban burdensome and unnecessary. Hmm. But we I would call comply. It that, I would call it that, too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would call it burdensome and unnecessary. They'll go along with it, though, because, uh, because business owners in America don't mind being burdened when it comes to the good of the community. Well, you know, I got to say, um, you know, it, unless you can get a consortium going, it it seems like you're going to be fighting a, a losing battle. Of course you would. If you're um, Ian's Pizzeria and you say, "Hey, yo, I'm not, yo, I'm not going to be doing your trans hey. fat band thing. I'm not doing if it." If you, <laughs> yeah, get out of here. What? Are, forget about it. If you, <laughs> <laughs> if you decide you're not going to participate, they're going to come and they're going to, you know, some officious bureaucrat is going to slap a. Uh, uh, you know, close down order yep. on your door, and and you're gonna have a heck of a time. At some point or another, uh, you know, a, a cop's gonna come in and tell you you've got to be, you've got to close. If you're McDonald's and you say, no, we will not comply, then they could play. McDonald's could play ball. You, you think so? But it's still gonna be the same thing. The city of New York's gonna say, whew, now, now we really get to go. City, it doesn't cost the city of New York anything. It True. costs McDonald's money to fight them, but it doesn't cost the city of New York anything. Mm. And so they say, yeah, all right, we get to spend some tax dollars on fighting at McDonald's. Just think of all the free press that we get. We're going to give McDonald's some trouble. They think they're more important than us. We're the city council of New York City. I see. It's the center of the universe. We are going to make McDonald's pay. Pay for clogging the arteries of yeah. every New Yorker out there children of their arteries <laughs> you know and they will play it up you you see how msnbc talked about artery, artery clogging, clogging. They, that's a damn lie yeah i mean if that was a person they were talking about that'd be a libel suit it's you know it's just they just lied and it's okay um nobody's gonna call them on it nobody's gonna go and find sure. uh you know uh let's see what's who's the author i don't name? think abc news is gonna come up with a counterpoint on it sure you know nobody's gonna it. find robert sullivan and kick him in the Right between the thighs, one good time for right. for lying. Nobody's going to do it. So what? So what? He lied about our artery clogging. So I'd say that unless you can get McDonald's, Burger King, and Arby's, and Popeye's fried chicken, and uh, KFC, so and, and it's unlikely that that's going to happen. Absolutely. Because, because for instance, I mean, it's still a competitive business. All these guys want to do their business, but they also would like to see McDonald's and Burger King. If it's Wendy's. They want to see McDonald's and Burger King go away. So if McDonald's wants to take a strong stand on this, the other guys are just going to say, you know, uh, City of New York, we've supported you all along. Huh? <laughs> In fact, we've been making uh, plans to switch over here the entire time, and uh, we support you in your prosecution of McDonald's. So that way they can just eject McDonald's from the city after they inevitably lose. As you right. pointed out, they don't uh, won't cost the city anything. You know, and Bur- then they get Burger less King competition. Will, Burger King will uh, cater the next city council meeting. You know, <laughs> yeah. with no trans fat foods. Everybody, look, listen to this. Here's the no trans fat Burger King offering to the city council. Right. Of course, it may or may not have trans fat in it, but you won't know. How are they going to know, anyway? I mean, how... Trans fat's really not an issue of taste. Trans fat's more of an issue of, uh, you know, cost. It's just cheaper because it has longer shelf, shelf life. But you can, can you make things a... taste better with 
butter. Can you take a product, though, like a, a hamburger, and uh, just sort of break it down to its elements, sort of deconstruct, reverse engineer the burger, and actually test to see whether or not there is or is not uh, trans Absolutely. fat? Sure. Okay. So I was wondering, what, I, I mean, I was just trying to imagine what the enforcement regime is going to be like on this. I understand that, I mean, basically what you're talking about here is a prohibited cooking product. I mean, we've had we've had prohibitions in this country before, and if you had if you had said twenty years ago, I think in America, if you had said, "Hey, did you can you could you imagine margarine being banned in America? Could you imagine a prohibition on trans fats?" Chefs and uh, moms and people that cook would have just said, "What? This is America." They would never do that here in America. We learned our lesson when it came to alcohol prohibition. But, now we've prohibited a cooking oil. But but the thing is, is 20 years ago, they would have prohibited butter. They wouldn't, and then they would have mandated margarine. Yeah, but they, That's they, how things have changed. I understand what you're saying, but did they ever do anything like this 20 years ago? They did no. not. They, they didn't. But what they I'm saying... They weren't as intrusive back then. No, you know, at one point or another, um, eggs were good for you, then they gave you cholesterol, then right. they were good for you again. And this is why I don't pay any attention to those healthy uh, so-and-so may cause whatever. You know, you all see those uh, news articles, blah, 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 may cause. If it says may, I, I just shut it out. Right. You know, they've got the, rec- <laughs> the recommended daily allowance trapezoid yeah. and, uh, you know, the, uh, the healthing eating eating rhombus or whatever the hell it is that they, they've got put together at any given time. You know, there's four food groups. There's five food groups. There's nine food groups. Whatever it is. I, I, they're crazy. I wanna, Stop it. What's it, the government got to do with food? I know there's more details in Lots. here, and I want to know about the enforcement specifically. Of course, I'd love to hear quotes from some of these bureaucrats on this. Oh, it's but full of them. We're going to enforce a prohibition on cooking oil? Can you imagine what this is going to look like? Are we going to have a police part of the vice squad enforcing this? We'll explore more coming up. You take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. This is your show. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line, and this is Free Talk Live. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features you'll find there are completely free, and that does include live streams. There's a broadband version of the show and a dial-up version, both of them awaiting you, both completely free, freetalklive.com and Don't forget to get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum, Attaining Economic and Personal Freedoms in America's Freest State. This three-day event, February 23rd through the 25th, will be held convention-style in historic Concord, with some of the program taking place in the State House. Get registered and learn more at freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. That is freestateproject.org slash libertyforum. Talking about some bad news out of New York City, news that's probably going to spread if... Our past study of what gov- how government operates is uh, at, at any point accurate. Uh, governments like to borrow bad ideas and tyrannical ideas from one another, and so you can expect to see probably this. This will probably pop up in Chicago and uh, Los Angeles and some other places, maybe Berkeley. Uh, essentially, what has happened is New York City has banned as of, and it's going to be active as of uh, what, July? July. Uh, it's beginning, 2007. The, the ban's going to begin in 2000, July 2007, and it's going to be in full effect by 2008. Right. They so, have, a, uh, they, they have a, a, a tiered banning system going right. on. Because they're sensitive. Mm-hmm. They're sensitive to the business owners who they're controlling yeah. and ordering to not use trans fat. That's you what know, this is all about. Because it's, it's so bad for you. Well, you know, I was thinking about last night, uh, you were reading some statistics, and 
the more you read, the more believable they got. Uh, I, I wouldn't have believed it. If what you'd... statistics? Uh, on um, seatbelts. Oh, okay. You know, basically that's a um, free-to-be-unstrapped-into-your-seat uh, ban. Um, it's a prohibition about uh, against being strapped into um, not being strapped into okay. seats. And what it showed is is that people who uh, you know when when they use their seatbelts they drive a little more recklessly mm-hmm. because they're strapped in or whatever. Um, there's you know all kinds of numbers that go into it, and apparently seatbelts have not done anything to lower the number of fatalities. As I understood it, per thousand. Um, so what's going to happen with this? Now there's always unintended consequences. It seems to me that trans fat is not as tasty as um, you know regular vegetable oil or butter. It's just more difficult to – it's easier to store, and that's the why restaurants okay. like trans fat. So I can't imagine what the unintended consequences are going to be, but they're going to be there. Now, certainly yeah, it's a great we can question. guess that prices of things to eat uh, go prepared up a food little. are going to go up. Might not be a, a big notice. I, you know, it might only be ten cents here, fifteen cents there. It, it's, it, but it's going to go up uh, because restaurants, you know, they're they're already. New York is the the acid test for restaurants. It's there's so many people there, and they all want good food. If you want the best food in the world, go to New York City. It's all really good there because there's so many restaurants, and they have to compete against all these other restaurants. And the prices are really cheap on these foods. The prices were cheap, but the food I had when I was there was eh, eh, was okay. Uh, you know, the, the, it's pizza, Ian. How much better could it get? Well, you say it's, it's the best in the world, and I'd have better pizza. It's cheese. <laughs> you had better pizza because you were hungrier. That's the uh, hunger's the best sauce for uh, anything. I was plenty hungry when I ate that fine. pizza. Um, all I'm saying is, is that you know, it was it was, it was a fine yeah. piece of pizza, but uh, it was built up too. Um, on the, on that, all I'm saying is, is that uh, you're going to see prices go up, and it's going to be more difficult. They're already running on thin margins as it is. And, well, uh, it's if it's only a few cents to save your life, Mark. It's so well worth it. Well. Um, I think that. And what about the children? Well, I understand you're trying to save the children's lives, but in the process, you're telling me what I can do with my body. And no, if you can not, tell me, not so much that, but what you can do with your business. Yeah, that's the real issue because they haven't banned it from Mom's Kitchen yet. And um, they're probably if people want this trans fat, that's where they're going to eat it. Their At house. Home. Yeah. Sure. I don't know why they would want it. I don't think, yeah. I mean, this is like something that's such a... It's uh, going to be there. The weird... Fringe un- issue. The weird unintended consequence. It's not a fringe issue. It's very, very relevant if you prepare food for a living. It's an extraordinary... But to level. everybody else. That's yeah, what I'm talking that's about. That's got to be a tenth of the population that pre- uh, prepares food for a living. That's probably a good percentage. Many yeah. of them are employees and care less. You know, they walk in and right. uh, serve you some pizza. Well, um, in the <laughs> same way, the smoking bans only specifically affect business owners, that is also a, a fraction of the population. The smoking bans in New York and Florida and California and all over the rest of the country that uh, that prevent people from smoking or allowing smoking in their own businesses, in many cases restaurants and bars, that only, while it affects a whole lot of smokers, we still we didn't even see the smokers standing up for the smoking no. ban, uh, against the smoking ban. So, I mean, I can't imagine that anybody is going to, people are just going to shrug this one off and they're going to say, yeah, you know, uh, I'm glad they're looking out for us, the city of New York. I don't think there's going to be any sort of organized opposition to this. They're just going to absorb this as a new rule, something else they have to, the, the business owners have to, another hoop they have to jump through, and they're going to increase their costs. And, I, you know, if there's going to be some other 
Unintended consequences? I'd love for somebody else to imagine what they would be. I can't even, I can't fathom them at 800-259-9231. Be inter- I'd be interested if, uh, if somebody had some other ideas. You know, I, just as an aside, this is uh, yeah. just a story from uh, my life that has nothing to do with this article, and I'll get right back to it. Okay. Maybe take a minute. Um, I was out uh, having a drink with a listener. They wanted, they were coming in town, you know, and you got to... I'm part of the Free State Project. I welcome people. Come on yeah. in. You're welcome well, They want to buy you drinks and stuff, too, right? Yeah, they, so, yeah. so it would appear. And uh, I was sitting at a bar, and I was looking at watching some people smoke here in New Hampshire. And uh, there was a guy with a big Cohiba cigar. Mm-hmm. Not the Cuban Cohibas, because those are illegal. Right. This was, one of, <laughs> this was one of those Dominican Cohibas that just had the seeds that were taken from Cuba Got and it. grown elsewhere. So not a not a cheap cigar by any stretch of the imagination. Okay. I mean, probably a ten or fifteen dollar cigar. Another guy, you know, smoking cigarettes. Several guys smoking cigarettes. And I was looking around. And I was thinking, you know, these sheep, these disgusting mm. sheep, they would have just taken it if. They, what did they do when the smoking ban came up in New Hampshire? Probably nothing. All these jackballs here have a free stater to thank for the fact that they can smoke in this bar. And true. if you ask them, what is, so what do you think about 20,000 liberty-loving individuals moving to New Hampshire to you know, take over the government? They go, Wah! I Oh, I don't know about that. Most, oh, absolutely. Have you asked them? No, I'm just telling you, people don't like change, and that's change. Oh, wait, you said take over the government? Yeah, yeah. That's, sort of, that's not a really great way to phrase it. No, that. it's a poor, poor way to phrase it. But all I'm saying is, is that they, they um, have this... Right, this privilege to mm-hmm. smoke. It's a privilege, actually. This privilege to smoke in these bars, um, and they have a, you know, a free stater to thank for it, and you know, they don't care. They, if it was taken away from them, they just wouldn't be smoking. That's all. I see what you're saying. And, yeah, you know, uh, I'm sheep. All right, back to New York City. <laughs> <laughs> hey, wait, wait, wait. we got to go to the phones. Donovan okay. in Kentucky, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello. Donovan in Kentucky. Hello. Hey, you're on the air. What's on your mind? Uh, I was wanting to talk about the smoking ban. You're on. What's up? Uh, well, like here in Kentucky, we have like Churchill Downs, you know. A what? The uh, Churchill Downs. The oh. racetrack. Yeah. Kentucky Derby. Yes. And uh, they're allowed to smoke there. They don't have a smoking ban, but they have a smoking ban on like all the other restaurants and things. Uh huh. Mm, imagine and that politically connected businesses can get themselves exempted. Hmm. Yeah, because uh, of because all the mint juleps taste better with a cigarette. Yeah, because of all the celebrity attendance, they lifted that ban. Mm. And I just don't think that because I'm not a celebrity, I shouldn't be allowed to smoke somewhere. Yeah, well, this is typical. I mean, it's typical for po- politicians to play favorites with their friends and then punish everybody else. Well, I mean, like before they had that smoking ban on everywhere, I didn't hear a bunch of places burning down because of smokers, you know. It's amazing. But, I mean, is anybody... D- now, I want to get back to you, Donovan. If you can hang on, uh, we're going to come right back to you. 800-259-9231. Because I want to know, you know, in Kentucky, you're talking about the sheep, Mark. Well, what, are, what was the response from your friends and fellow smokers? I mean, some of them must feel persecuted, right? Some of them must stand up for freedom. Some, right? Please tell me. 800-259-9231. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's 1-800-259-9231, the Packet 8 toll-free lines. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there, including the listener map. Head over to map.freetalklive.com. You can add yourself to it. There's over 1,700 of our listeners that have plotted themselves digitally on our map of listenership. International. Map.freetalklive.com. 
com. As we go back to Donovan in Kentucky, Donovan, you're back on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark now. Uh, Donovan, we're curious. I was, we're talking about the trans fat ban, and that sort of parlayed out into talking about smoking bans and you know, various different prohibitions on things that the government deems bad for you. And apparently in Kentucky, there's um, a smoking ban that prevents uh, smoking in bars and restaurants. Where else is smoking uh, prevented in Kentucky? Well, it's uh, not actually prevented in bars. It's actually allowed anywhere where alcohol is served. Oh. So, so like in bowling alleys and okay. stuff, you can smoke. Got it. But so, restaurants and anywhere else, alcohol is not served. It has been banned. But in yeah. order to serve alcohol, you have to have a hefty license, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, you, you know, you either it, have to have a beer and wine license or a um, full full-on alcohol license, and those, you know, that's tens of thousands of dollars paid to the local government. So I had thought that this was going to be a uh, full ban, so in this case, they're just segregating smokers to alcohol-serving areas, in which case, I can't imagine that the smokers had been, were too outraged about this. What was their, what was their response? Well, uh, I don't know, I just... Do you not know any smokers? Well, I do, but, like, they just, they're just young kids, because I'm only 17. Mm Mm-hmm. And they can't they smoke just, anyway, yeah. supposedly. I mean, they don't I really, see. they don't really go anywhere. They haven't really been anywhere where, like, you know, because like sure. if you go to a restaurant or something, you can just step outside for a minute and smoke if you have to. But yeah, you know, understood. I mean, it just seems like the smokers are just generally underwhelmed by these bands. They don't seem to really want to do anything about it. Yeah, and and also something just came to mind. Like in Louisville, there's a place called Fourth Street Live, and it's like a strip of road where there's like a bunch of entertainment things, like clubs and okay. stuff, you know. And mm-hmm. like in that strip of road, it's like a public road, and you're not allowed to smoke in that road. You're not allowed to smoke in the road. Yeah, like hmm. it's like strange. a public road. It's still a public road. Like you can drive through it. But you're not allowed to smoke in it. What was the reason for that? Because people were throwing too many butts on the ground or something? Well, I mean, because it's just a big, like, uh, you know, uh, it's Thirsty like the, place. the, I don't know what you call it, the cornerstone of Louisville. You know, everybody goes there for entertainment. Yeah, everybody like goes a Main there for Street fun. sort of thing. And gotcha. people, from, people from out of town go there, and I guess they just don't want to see smokers, you know. It's disgusting, I guess. Right. Smokers give people a bad impression of Louisville. Yeah. I guess. Well, whatever. Donovan, thank you for the call. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You take control. You bring up whatever's on your mind. So continuing with the trans fat controversy, going back to New York City, uh, was, there, was there more detail on this, Mark? We determined that uh, the, the city of New York has banned trans fats from all restaurants. Anybody who uh, would like to serve food to the public for profit, um, they can't use trans fat. And it's going into effect in July the remainder of the law is going to into effect at the end of uh, 2007. So by the end of 2007, beginning of 2008, there will be no more trans fat in New York City. We're wondering what some of the unintended consequences might be. If you have any suggestions, 800-259-9231. But what else do we need to know about this? Well, Dan Fleischer, the spokesman for the National Restaurant Association, says, We don't think that a municipal health agency has any business banning a product the Food and Drug Administration has already approved. I'm oh, trying to play two government agencies off one another. Mm, I, I don't sus- suspect you'll have any luck with that because government agencies just, you know, a little more clamped down. They love that crap. Mm-hmm. Health Commissioner Thomas. Yeah, I doubt the FDA is going to step in and say, whoa, you can't do this. You're not allowed to limit these people on what they can consume. Right. We are. 
Um, let's see, the you know health commissioner recently said officials seriously weighed complaints from the restaurant industry, which argued that it was unrealistic yeah. to give them six months to replace cooking oils and 18 months to phase out the ingredients altogether. How, how is, seriously did they weigh This is them? what the restaurants argued for, though. Whoa, this is too fast. Oh, You're really? doing it too quickly. You know, none of them said, who the hell do you think you are? Sure. You try to come in here and tell me that I'm not going to um, be able to cook with trans fats, and you're going to have some dead bureaucrats on your hands, or whatever. I mean, you know, none of them said, get out of here. you got no that's business telling me what to do. That's because we've been domesticated. We're so docile. Yes. You know, we'll I was do talking, whatever they wanted us to do. It's Sunday, crazy. Sunday night, I was talking to a restaurant um, owner, and, you know, just talking about, he was trying to open a restaurant in uh, another town, and he was having a lot of trouble with the uh, local elder in New Hampshire? or whatever. Yes. And... Just, Can you imagine getting trouble in New Hampshire? Can you imagine how much more trouble it is in a big city like New York? I think they're all, you know, they're all trouble. Yeah. Um, but uh, he just wants to open a restaurant and serve beer. And uh, they're, you know, I don't know about you. That restaurant that was there before, it was kind of dangerous and shifty. And you you <laughs> run some bars and there's been trouble there. Was that the objection? Yeah. Trouble? It, It's a bar. Sometimes there's trouble. You know, yeah. When you go to a bar, you expect there like, might be trouble. Yeah, the, the cops have been called to your bar. Well, of course they have. That's what they're for. Mm-hmm. They're to handle problems. Did you want us to handle it? You know, I yeah. mean, <laughs> that's and it, to think that there's not going to be trouble and people aren't going to be tr- drinking alcohol because they've <laughs> yeah. done away with this spot <laughs> is ridiculous. Right. I mean, yes, some trouble will occur in that spot if you allow them. Are to there s- no other bars in the town? I mean, do they believe that? The uh, increase, the net increase in bars will increase the trouble in town. I mean, there's only so many troublemakers. You know, They're going to go to whichever bar's open. Just crap. I'll bet you they want him to sell the um, location. Now that he's bought the location, they want him to sell it at a loss to one of their friends or relatives so mm. that they can um, give them the opportunity to open a bar there. Oh, and that's nice. You get to buy the store, uh, uh, the the location, and then be told, sorry, you can't use yeah, this for your happening. intended purposes. Yeah, months. Months. And you know... This guy, he's just like, well, I understand what they're trying to do. I mean, he was oh, just man. he was just pretty cool about it. Even in the live it. for your die state. Yeah, he was pretty cool about it. He's like, isn't that a kick in the pants? You know, that was that was sort of his statement. Shrug. Yeah. Mm, he's he's doing do? his best. He's working within the system, which, of course, I believe he should. But, you know, they uh, apparently in, in um, the town that he wants to open it up in, Manchester, the, the police have to sign off on you opening, too. Jeez. And the, and the police are the ones that are giving him the most trouble. So, Amazing. Yeah. There you go. These, you know, protecting and serving. Well, the the way they want to protect and serve is by not allowing any bars to open. Yeah, I don't want any commerce going on. Mm-hmm. Can't. Well, it's all protection for the existing bars. I mean, they're really essentially working for them in that case, whether or not they realize it. Those police officers are protecting the existing business owners from new competition. That's what's going on. So yeah, they are protecting and serving, just not your freedoms. Let's go on with trans fats. Uh, the ban um, contains some exceptions. For instance, it would allow restaurants to serve foods that come in the manufacturer's original packaging, which, hmm. Oh, so McDonald's can get around it then. McDonald's has actually been testing uh, their you know, non-trans fat oils, mm-hmm. and they intend to um, you know, comply. But if, but if it all, ha- all it has to do is come in original packaging, is that single-serve packaging or is it bulk packaging? I bet you what it is is um, what we're talking about is like a bag of chips. Okay. You understand? So, yeah. Like, it's served in the package that they, they got it in. I see. Because I was going to say, I get a big old box of hamburgers in the in the back or whatever, yeah. a big box of french fries. 
Um, my you, uh, transfect comes in original packaging too. If you took the uh, chips out and you heated them a little bit and put some hot sauce on them, other violation. Hand, yeah, you're in violation. Okay. Chains must list calories. Trans fats are believed to be uh, harmful. Believed to be harmful because they contribute to heart disease by raising bad cholesterol and lowering good cholesterol at the same time. Some experts say that. Um, that makes trans fats worse than saturated fats. The panel also passed another measure that has made restaurants unhappy. Some that choose to inform, get this stupid, stupid rule, Ian. The, um, those that choose to inform customers about calorie content will have to list information right on the menu. Wait, the, you can choose? Yes. Well, for instance, most restaurants you go into, you look at the menu, they don't have um, you know, the, the calories. The but I can choose fat. not to. You can choose not to list them, oh, okay. but if you do list them for your customers, you have to list them on the menu. Right. Valuable menu space. Mm-hmm. How long? How long? Why would you choose that? Well, why? Yeah. Basically, what they've done is they've diminished the choices for the consumer. Now, I'm not even going to get to know what um, you know what this information is. Like, it's it can't be just on the box for the Big Mac. It's got to be in the freaking menu too. 800-259-9231 is the packet 8 toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Your thoughts on the trans fat ban? Would love to hear from somebody that supports the idea. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You're, you can take control of the airwaves. 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. Ian here with you. And Mark. Uh, that is the packet eight toll-free lines, 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com where you can shop. If you like the fact that we give everything away at freetalklive.com, then maybe you should head over to amazon.freetalklive.com and buy some stuff. Well, virtually anything is for sale at Amazon. I mean, it's like the Internet's largest department store. If you can if you can buy it at an actual department store, it's probably for sale at Amazon and way more than that. Books and office products, uh, jewelry, accessories, handbags, I mean, women's stuff, men's stuff, kids' stuff, it's all there, electronics and more at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And the, the most necessary product you're going to need this holiday season, gift cards. Plus, anything you buy at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com, FreeTalkLive.com. Benefits. We get a percentage of your sale. So it's a great way to get your shopping done, get great prices, great free super saver shipping deals on a lot of items, and more. Head over to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com and help Free Talk Live out all at the same time. As we go to the phones, to the fun, let's talk to Brandon in California. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hey, how's it going? Good. What's on your mind, Brandon? I I, uh, I called a couple months ago about, um, I, I'm a former public school teacher. I got now got the job in uh, West Hollywood. At a private school. Okay. Right. And um, I uh, had a conversation with one of, it's actually not one, he's not a student in my class, but he's a senior at the school who I got to know on our outdoor education trip. And I was just talking to him during lunch, asked him how school was going and everything. Okay. And um, he mentioned he's glad to get out of economics and, you know, he's excited to get into government next semester. And so I started talking to him a little bit and mentioned, you know, I'm more of a free market person myself, you know. And he, uh, he he kind of mentioned how proud he was that he finally voted for the first time because he's a senior and he's a really good kid, smart, quiet, you know, does what he's supposed to do, respectful. And so then we started talking and I asked him, I'm like, uh, you know, if you don't mind me asking where would, how'd you vote? And he said, I voted all Democratic. And and then I started kind of prodding him I, I, by, by trying to be as non-threatening as possible, mm-hmm. saying to him, you know, just, you know, it's your opinion, my opinion. And, and then we started just 
we had a discussion for like a half hour, and I don't think he had all the the everything he brought to me. I had a, a reasonable answer for, and I don't think he had heard any of these libertarian arguments ever in his life. And he was kind of sitting there, um, just not dumbfounded, I guess. Uh, like he wasn't uh, really given in, but he didn't have. Account, any counter arguments right yeah it's it's hard to, right it's hard to respond when you're faced with the pure logic that's behind libertarianism yeah. and I mean, in his yeah. defense it's also hard to respond when you're a kid talking to an yeah. adult <laughs> i mean <laughs> Very true. And, I, and i and i told him i'm just like you know you got your opinion i got mine you know i enjoy just having free thoughts and then you know i i, I completely understand where you're coming from and i know you mean you want the best and, sure you yeah, use and a, he, he, kept, he kept asking me questions about He's like, well, how are we gonna? What if people, if people are poor, they can't afford an education? And I and I was countering it with, well, the fact that the government is getting into so much, the prices go up, and it's so mm-hmm. much costs so much more to live. And he's saying, well, what if somebody doesn't know English and they can't afford it because they don't have a job? And I just tried, just laid out, said, you know, if the government gets its hands into everything, um, then it, it it raises prices because. Uh, the intense regulation. I mentioned how my wife, in fact, works in uh, works in. Um, uh, she, ah, I can't even think of the word. She 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 does. She checks. Uh, hmm. You know, make sure the company's following the laws, and they have to pay her a lot. Compliance. Of money. Compliance, exactly. So, and I was telling how when you have, do excess regulation, then you have to pay all these people extra money, which then raise the cost of the people. Sure. And. Well, you plus, know, plus the government, no uh, not only does regulation raise costs for uh, for legitimate business, but also government raises costs um, for education. I mean, if you just look at the cost per pupil of educating uh-huh. kids in the government system and you compare it to the cost per pupil of educating uh, kids in private systems, government spends way more and gets way worse results. So really, if you want to save money, just get the government out of it and allow the market to compete and, pr- and costs will come down. There's no reason why education costs shouldn't be dropping just like computer costs are dropping. I mean, competition should be developing new methods of teaching, uh, new more efficient methods, uh, more fun, more interactive methods. All of these things would happen if we would just let the marketplace uh, get involved. And I I shared with them, I'm like, you know, my first couple of years of college, I was a bleeding heart liberal, wanted to save the world. But once you get into real life and you see how things really are and you get so jaded that you realize that there's a better solution, that you can't save the world by forcing people with a barrel gun to do exactly what you want. Well, you know, what you're doing uh, essentially is something that's it's a very uh, powerful sales technique. Mark, I'm sure you're aware of this, feel, felt, and found. Mm -hmm. Uh, You essentially say to him, uh, because you're coming from the same position he's in right now. He's a straight-ticket Democrat voter, and you can say, you know, I once felt the same. I I understand how you feel. I once felt the same way, because you did. And I found that blah, 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 which is essentially what you did. And that's a really powerful uh, motivating factor uh, for somebody that's brand new because then can say, hmm, you know, this guy isn't crazy, and he really was like I was at one time. Maybe what he's discovered is worth taking a closer look at, and maybe he will take a closer look. Uh, Brandon, any other thoughts for us? Yeah, when he was done, he's like, to be continued. So he was, like, interested in talking about it more, and I tried making it as non-confrontational and as open as possible. Fantastic. Good job, man, and, and congratulations. Keep uh, keep spreading the good word. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. And it feels really good when you get somebody who's open-minded enough to uh, to at least analyze, to, to take a look at without putting up those walls 
and those barriers that a lot, I think a lot of older people have. You were talking about this the other night, that uh, the older you get, the more walls and barriers you sort of build around your belief system, and it gets more and more difficult to uh, to challenge your your paradigm. I, I would agree, but I would also say that Brandon really did a really good job of talking to this kid. Um, oh, sure. Anybody can debate libertarian points like we do. Um, it's, it's pretty easy to get in arguments with people about libertarianism. Convincing people like um, you know, convince like he did with this kid is is where you know that's where the, uh, the rubber meets the road, as it were. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty line. Quick update for you on the Newt Gingrich situation. We talked about this not long ago. He gave a speech here in New Hampshire, of all places, attacking the First Amendment. And the irony, of course, was the entire or, uh, organization or speech that he, whatever whoever it was that put the speech together, the the uh, the gathering together, was supposed to be supporting the First Amendment. He gets in there and says we should shut down websites, and now he's now he's got uh, he sort of outlined his plot a little bit more on a conservative info site. He's got one of these op-eds, and he essentially says that uh, one of the things he wants to be able to do is, quote, we should be allowed to close down websites that recruit suicide bombers and provide instructions to indiscriminately kill civilians by suicide or other means or advocate killing people from the West or destruction of Western civilization. Uh, so apparently websites that advocate killing Muslims, that's okay in old Newt's mind. But if somebody advocates killing Westerners, then their their website should be shut down. Well, he probably certainly he's not as concerned about that. Um but where are these websites going to be? Well, they could be hosted anywhere. It, in all likelihood, they're not going to be hosted in the United States of America. It just doesn't seem likely to me. Probably and not. So, you know, what's he advocating? The ability to use force around the world? I mean, to send in our crack team of website shutter downer SWAT team guys to be able to, you know, go into any country. Just uh, the helicopter pulls in. They come to come down the rope and uh, shut down the website. How do they shut down the website? Do they kill anybody, everybody in there? Well, they've been doing these things with uh, pirate sites for, for a few years now. They've been working with po- local police in uh, different countries. Right. Essentially, they can threaten to twist the government's arm a little bit, like, oh, you want our foreign aid, don't you? Well, maybe you should shut down this here website. You know, They've got strings that they can pull with some of these countries. Not all of them, uh, but with some of the countries, they, they can get together with their police agencies and go in and shut down. And yes, they do go into the service provider the website hosting company, with a, a, with a warrant, uh, with police with guns, and physically will demand that they shut down that particular server. And maybe even shut down the entire company, you know, if they don't want to comply. So, yeah, these things have been done in the past. Uh, how successful they'll be with, uh, with these suicide bomber websites or whatever Al-Qaeda websites that they're alleging, I don't know. Because I would think that if I was going to be hosting a site like that, I'd be real careful in picking uh, someplace that didn't have a friendly government towards the United States. It would, it would seem like that to me. And this be able to or not be able to is really nonsense. Um, nobody has no, Nobody's approved this. Congress hasn't voted on whether or not uh, the executive branch can uh, you know, make a strike a deal with um, – foreign governments to shut down websites they haven't approved or or disapproved this is just 
extra policing that uh, the executive branch wants to do. The American people haven't had a referendum on this. This is, you know, this is, it's nonsense to even say what he's saying. Well, what he's saying is he wants to be your president in 2008, and he's already begun the campaign, essentially taking positions... Uh, trying to get people behind him, and he claims he's gotten so many emails from people that are in support of this. Ugh. 800-259-9231. On the way, speaking of free speech, there's a case regarding a high school senior and bong hits. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp. FreeTalkLive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It is the Tuesday edition. We're kicking off Hour 2. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. Bring up whatever you want. That's the Packet 8 toll-free lines. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at FreeTalkLive.com. All the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy that. FreeTalkLive.com, and don't forget to go and vote in the current poll at poll.freetalklive.com. Uh, the question is still, what's your age? So, poll.freetalklive.com. Okay, yes, age and gender. Gender. Oh, well then, speaking of age, we've got a story about a young man who, uh, a high school senior, he decided that, I guess, during some sort of high school event of some sort, uh, we'll get the details here in a moment, but he wanted to unfurl a banner in front of his high school. That proclaimed, bong hits for Jesus. Okay. Now, as you might imagine, uh, the school administrators didn't really care for this particular message. I suspect they didn't. And it's now gone to the Supreme Court. Okay. According to the Associated Press, the Supreme Court has stepped into a dispute over free speech Friday involving a suspended high school student and his banner... That proclaimed bong hits for Jesus. Is he still a high school student? The justices agreed to hear the appeal by the Juneau, Alaska School Board and Principal Deborah Morse of a lower court ruling that allowed the student's civil rights lawsuit to proceed. The school board hired former Whitewater prosecutor Kenneth Starr to argue its case to the high court. You remember Kenneth Starr yeah. from the whole uh, Clinton President thing. Clinton thing? Morse suspended Frederick after he displayed the banner. Uh, this Again, the... Uh, I guess they actually haven't mentioned the kid's name yet, but yeah, I guess his last name is Frederick. After he displayed the banner with his uh, with its reference to marijuana use, when the Olympic torch passed through the Juno uh, through Juno in 2002 on its way to the Winter Games in Salt Lake City. Mm, they're getting to it quick. 2002. Frederick, then a senior, was off school property. Okay. When he hoisted the banner, but was suspended for violating the school's policy of promoting illegal substances at a school-sanctioned event. Well, it seems a little presumptuous. I realize that uh, the term bong certainly has, uh, you know, marijuana-type references to it. Sure it does. But there's no guarantee that you smoke marijuana out of a bong. You could put tobacco uh, in there if you want to smoke it out of a water pipe. See, but when you're talking about a water pipe, then you're talking about something you could smoke tobacco out of. But I've never heard the term bong used outside of marijuana circles. So, But you could. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but that doesn't matter to, I mean, really, to the, the administrators. They see bong, they think pot, and so does everyone else. Let's be honest, okay? Oh, I believe Everybody they, else thinks pot when they, they see bong. They do, um, and that's what it sounds like, but there's, it's still a bit of a jump in logic. Well, regardless of what you're saying, the real fact is he wasn't on school property. Yeah, that's, that's another... He could have had a sign that said, smoke marijuana for Jesus. And if he's not on school property, 
how can they say that what he was doing was a problem? Yeah. I mean, if I have a house across from a school, and in fact, one of the free staters here in Keene, he owns a house across from a local school, and he's talking about getting a, uh, he's talking about putting a marquee out in front of his house where he could put all kinds of pro-freedom messages on there. Now, he's not a bong-hit kind of guy, but he could very well put some some sort of message like that on there, and then what's going to happen then? Then he's not a student. Is yeah. there going to be a lawsuit filed? Because the school administrator doesn't want his students to see this these messages, these anti-government messages, when they go to school during the day? I mean, how how far outside of their school boundaries can these people control their students? That's what the question is here. Well, the Supreme Court's taking a look at it. Uh, Frederick, again, was a senior at the time, accused of violating the school's policy of promoting illegal substances at a school-sanctioned event, even though he was across the street. The school board (laughs) upheld the suspension, and a federal judge initially dismissed Frederick's lawsuit. The Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals said the banner was vague and nonsensical, and Frederick's civil rights had been violated. At that point, the school board retained Starr, who investigated President Clinton's relationship with Monica Lewinsky. He took the case free of charge. The appeals court said that even if the banner could be construed as a positive message about marijuana use, the school could not punish or censor a student's speech because it promotes a social, me- a social message contrary to one, of the, to one the school favors. So the appeals court making the right decision, in my opinion. Sounds like but, it. But uh, the Juno school board appeals. They don't like to, that crap. They and don't like it. They it doesn't cost the them board. anything to appeal it. That's true. Frederick said his motivation for unfurling the banner, at least 14 feet long, probably needed a friend, I would think, for that, was simple. He wanted it seen on television, since the torch relay event was being covered by local elections, or local stations. When Moore saw it, she crossed the street for, uh, from the school, the principal, grabbed the banner and crumpled it. Oh. So, not only do you have a school attempting to control ideas, but they're also violating property rights. This was not the school's banner to crumple. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to say that, but then suing for the cost of the banner probably isn't worth the lawsuit. So, I mean, she should be ashamed, but that's it. She later uh, suspended Frederick for 10 days. Moore still works for the Juno school system, but is no longer the high school principal. Frederick is a student now at the University of Idaho. The court <coughs> is expected to hear arguments in the case late February. In addition to the First Amendment issue, the court will also consider whether Morse can be held personally liable for monetary damages. And I think that'll be actually be a pretty important decision, because they'll probably find that she can't, because she's got diplomatic immunity or bureaucratic immunity or whatever it is they call it. What do they call it? It's not... Uh, I'm missing the word. What? Oh, it's... um. It's not executive sovereign immunity. immunity. Sovereign immunity, that's right. The appeals panel said she could she could be held liable because she admitted to being aware of the pertinent case law regarding student rights. The court law, uh, court said the law was clear and Morse was aware of it when she punished Frederick. So the question is, can kids stand across from their school and hold signs that the school doesn't like? It's, I, I don't know what to say about it. I mean, it, it seems obvious to me. What would this woman have done if uh, he was not a high school senior? What if he was 25? Would she still have walked over there and in a tizzy and taken his poster away from him? She would have probably called the police instead. But, but then what are they going to do? I don't know. Yeah, I wonder about that. I mean, is it illegal to... I guess they pro- probably have, like, anti-protesting laws on the books. Probably have... Laws that would cover that sort of thing. No, it's, this is not a, uh, a approved protest, son. You're going to have to move along. I mean, it, it seems to me that uh, she's way out of line on this. I mean, it, she doesn't have a leg to stand on. But 
the the good people of uh, Alaska, which Juneau, Juneau, Alaska, they've got to pay in order to find out from the Supreme Court mm-hmm. if, in fact, they're um, actually get to seeing it, whether or not uh, you know this woman acted right. It's been three years now, and how many courts have said that she was wrong? Well. Enough Who cares to say, yeah. Who cares? It's we've got plenty of money. We got plenty of taxpayer money. We're going to find out. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. In other teen related marijuana news from Pittsburgh, according to EurekaAlert dot org, marijuana is not a gateway drug that predicts or eventually leads to substance abuse. Suggests a twelve year long University of Pittsburgh study. Moreover, the study's findings call into question the long held belief that has shaped prevention efforts in governmental policy for six decades and caused many a parent to panic upon discovering a bag of pot in their child's bedroom. Now, back in 1999, the Institute of Medicine, the government's own organization, did a study at the behest of the government that determined, without a doubt, that marijuana was not a gateway drug. So we've sort of already known this, but this is new. There's a new spin on it here, essentially saying that not only is it not a gateway drug, but... Teen marijuana use doesn't even predict future drug and alcohol abuse for teens. The Pitt researchers tracked 214 boys beginning at ages 10 to 12, all of whom eventually used either legal or illegal drugs. When the boys reached age 22, they were categorized into three groups. Those who used only alcohol or tobacco, the legal ones. Those who started with alcohol and tobacco, then used marijuana and those who used marijuana prior to alcohol or tobacco. Now, nearly a quarter of the study population who used both legal and illegal drugs at some point, that is 28 boys, exhibited the reverse pattern of using marijuana prior to alcohol or tobacco, and those individuals were no more likely to develop a substance use disorder than those who followed the traditional succession of alcohol and tobacco before illegal drugs, according to the study. So... Do you see what I'm saying here? A, a Doesn't teenage... look like there's any much conclusive about uh, marijuana use being a gate, gateway drug. Exactly. It's just been propaganda foisted on you over the years oh, uh, it, without any real I think everybody it um, pretty much believes that, that it's just propaganda. Somebody must believe it. Oh, my mother does. 800-259-9231. More details on the way. Your, uh, your show, you take control. Bring up whatever you want. Toll free. 1-800-259-9231. This is your show. It is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. The Packet 8 toll-free lines. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Enjoy all the features there because they are completely free. And that does include the bulletin board system. Over 140,000 posts await you. Over 1,300 people interacting. Uh, Lots of different topics to be discovered there. Serious issues, fun stuff. You'll find it all. And just a a great group of people there uh, to to interact with at bbs.freetalklive.com. Though uh, I do want to send our best wishes out to one of our listeners. Mark, I don't know if you've been made aware of this, but... Uh, Shane Killian, uh, also known as Shane K, on the bulletin board system, mm-hmm. is in critical condition right Oof. now after a car accident Ugh, that uh, 
He's uh, one of our North Carolina listeners, a very active uh, libertarian, one of the probably one of the probably brightest minds on the Free Talk Live BBS. Just he's posted over 1,800 posts over the past few years, and always just a great intellectual uh, conversation with him. Really, really bright, sharp dude. And uh, I hope he pulls through this. His wife died uh, in the crash. God. This is the woman who was. We talked about her recently. She was from Guam. You may mm-hmm. recall us discussing right. uh, the pol- uh, absurd political situation there in Guam. Well, Shane was the one who wrote in about that. And uh, not sure about the status of their kids. I don't know if any if any of them were in the car at the time. But there's an update on the promoting liberty forum in the bulletin board system there. Uh, one of our listeners has posted details about how you can maybe get in touch with them, maybe send a, a friendly email to the hospital yeah. or something like that. Uh, but never life, good to hear news like that. No, life's short. Tell tell your family you love them. But I wouldn't have known uh, if it weren't for the BBS and for one of our other listeners who was in the area who caught wind of it and posted it there. So there you go. BBS.freetalklive.com. Talking about uh, marijuana, the fact that according to a 12-year-long study by the University of Pittsburgh – once again, verifying the Institute of Medicine's claims from the uh, from 1999 that marijuana not only is not a gateway drug, but also it doesn't even predict uh, future substance abuse. So somebody might make the claim that, well, if you're smoking marijuana as a teenager, that means you're going to be a drug addict when you get older. Mm, not so much. In fact, uh, according to the study, nearly a quarter of the study population, again, they looked at 214 boys beginning at age 10 to 12, and then they checked them again when they reached the age of 22 and asked them about their drug use history. And there, again, was three categories of users, alcohol and tobacco-only users, those who started with alcohol and tobacco and then used marijuana, which they call the gateway sequence, in that one leads to the other, leads to the other, etc., And then there's the reverse gateway or the reverse sequence of using marijuana prior to using alcohol and tobacco. As it turns out, according to the study, those who exhibited the reverse pattern, that is using alcohol and tobacco first before marijuana, no more likely to develop a substance use disorder than those who followed the traditional succession of alcohol and tobacco before illegal drugs, according to the study, which appears in this month's issue of the American Journal of uh, Psychiatry. The gateway progression might be the most common pattern, that is, alcohol and tobacco, marijuana, but it's certainly not the only order of drug use, said the professor in charge of the study. He says, in fact, the reverse pattern is just as accurate for predicting who might be at risk for developing a drug dependence disorder. In addition to determining whether the gateway hypothesis was a better predictor of substance abuse than the competing theories, the investigators sought to identify characteristics that distinguished users in the gateway sequence from those who took the reversed path. Out of the 35 variables they examined, only three emerged to be differentiating factors. Reverse pattern users, in remember, reverse patterns are the ones that smoked marijuana first, were more likely to have lived in poor physical neighborhood environments, had more exposure to drugs in their neighborhoods, and had less parental involvement as young children. Okay. So all of those factors coming into play um, made it more likely. So if you grew up in a crappy neighborhood... You'd try pot before you tried alcohol and tobacco. And that's it. It just happens to be that you tried pot first, uh, and some other people happen to try alcohol first, and none of it has an effect on uh, what what happens long term. It's it's surprising to me that somebody would try uh, marijuana before cigarettes. I mean, it's you think it's, it it just seems like with all the bad uh, p- press around cigarettes, I don't know if that's such a surprise. I don't know. Um, I could I could see how that would happen. For instance, you could be maybe thir- this didn't happen to me, but because uh, I was the oldest in my family, but I could see that maybe you know, at 13 years old you got a brother who's 17, he's smoking pot already, and uh, your brother comes to you and says, "Hey, Mark, you want to smoke a joint?" 
Oh, no, I, I, that, that smoke is bad for you. Oh, no, that's just cigarettes. This is good stuff. You know, I could easily see how that could happen. I, I suppose. I, I don't know. I grew up. Um, I could have gotten a cigarette or a uh, or some alcohol within minutes of deciding that that's what I wanted to do. My friends and I, you know, I mean, we lived in houses where parents smoked and drank liquor, and it would have been there. So if I wanted to try it. Now, I'm not talking about getting it on a regular basis. I would have quickly shot myself in the foot if I wanted to do this on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. But I could have tried some vermouth or cream de menthe <laughs> or whatever it was that my grandmother might have had yeah. around, um, Made my whip myself up a grasshopper. If I could have done that any time I wanted to, I just probably couldn't do it on a regular basis. So I could have tried all those things. Marijuana didn't really show up in my world very much. I gotcha. went to a private school and... I I didn't see it till high school when I went to a public school. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't come across it till I was about 16. Yeah. Most importantly, but then again, I didn't have older brothers or sisters. Most importantly, a general inclination. Neither did you, did you? No. No. A general inclination for deviance from sanctioned behaviors, which can become evident early in childhood, was strongly associated with all illicit drug use, whether it came in the gateway sequence or the reverse. While the gateway theory posits that each type of drug is associated with certain risk factors that cause the use of subsequent drugs, such as cigarettes or alcohol, leading to marijuana, this study's findings indicate that the environmental aspects have a stronger influence on which type of substance is used. That is, if it's easier for a teen to get his hands on marijuana than it is beer, then he'll be more likely to smoke pot. It's just a matter of what's there. The evidence supports what's known as the common liability model, an emerging theory that states that the likelihood that someone will transition to the use of illegal drugs is determined not by the preceding use of a particular drug, but instead by the individual user's tendencies and environmental circumstances, which backs up essentially what we've said before, and that is that if there's any sort of a gateway factor to marijuana itself, it's that it's in close proximity to other illegal drugs. So if somebody has taken MDMA, LSD, or something else, or meth or whatever, and they've smoked marijuana before that, well, it's probably just because they've been hanging around drug dealers and people who use drugs. I mean, when you go to the drug dealer, he's probably got more than just pot he's willing to sell you. And in some cases, if he's a pusher, he might give you an incentive to try something a little different. Hey, you like that marijuana stuff? Try this meth. Give you very well happen. Hit, your first hit's free. The emphasis on the drugs themselves rather than other more important factors that shape a person's behavior have been detrimental to drug policy and prevention programs, according to the doctor. To become more effective in our efforts to fight drug abuse, we should devote more attention to interventions that address these issues, particularly to parenting skills that shape the child's behavior as well as peer and neighborhood environments. Eh, you know, I think it would be more effective if we just legalized drugs. I mean, really, how many kids in neighborhoods have access to DXM, dextromethorphan hydrobromide. How many uh, DXM pills are being scattered about neighborhoods? How many uh, brothers, older brothers and sisters, are plying their younger siblings with I, I would doubt very many at all. Um, right. Perhaps the word gets around slowly, um, how one, you know, gets a hold of this stuff, that kind of thing. But if anything, DXM is going to appear simply because it's seen as a legal alternative to illegal drugs. Of course, if all drugs were legal, then would anybody be doing DXM? I don't know. Um, but nonetheless, the fact is, if we would make drugs legal, they'd be 
they take that forbidden fruit aspect away from them. Less teenagers would use them, according to the studies that have been done, at least in California and Holland. And if less teens are using them, that means less young teens will use them. And it might be a good thing. We're on the way. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. For all your voiceover IP needs, head over to packet8.net. 1-800-259-9231. You bring up anything, Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The Shrine of Female listeners is there. Shrine.freetalklive.com gets you straight to it. And you'll see all of the ladies, the dozens and dozens of them, that have sent us their validated photo to prove that they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com to see what it's all about. And hopefully, if you are a lady listener, to join the Shrine. All right. So, uh, oh, yeah. Also, Free Talk Live is brought to you by the Free State Project's First 1000 Pledge. Now, are you just going to talk about freedom or are you going to start living it now? Learn how the First 1000 Pledge can make it happen today at freestateproject.org. That is freestateproject.org. So we were talking about this marijuana study that has essentially shown that marijuana use, teenage marijuana use, doesn't predict drug or alcohol abuse. Now, the researchers did admit that they didn't study females in this particular study, so I, unless there's a huge difference between males and females as far as their drug use uh, tendencies are concerned, then that shouldn't be a big difference. It doesn't seem like it, but you know what the hell do I know? Yeah, you never know. Also, according to the study, interventions focusing on behavior modification may be more effective prevention tactics than current anti-drug initiatives. For example, providing guidance to parents, particularly those in high-risk neighborhoods, on how to boost their caregiving skills and foster bonding with their children could have been a measurable effect on could have a measurable effect on a child's likelihood to smoke marijuana. Also, early identification of children who exhibit antisocial tendencies could allow for interventions before drug use even begins. Now, I like the idea of maybe parents um, giving better care to their kids, bonding better with their children. I think that having a closer bond with your kids is is definitely something that could help keep them away from drugs. Or, at the very least, if they decide they want to do drugs, you could bond with them and do some drugs together, perhaps. (laughs) There are some parents that do that sort of thing. It it does get done. Well, the idea is, whether or not they do it together, some parents essentially say, look, Johnny, if you're going to do drugs, I want you to do them here in my house where you're going to be safe. And you know what? I don't think that's such a bad idea. I, I I understand what their thought process is. It's really foreign to me. Well, here's a parent that really needs to learn a little bit more about bonding and use the police a little bit less. We talked le- yesterday about a pretty stunning story that we'd never actually read anything quite like before on Free Talk Live. A woman who called the police on her son for sleeping in too late. He had to go to school in the morning. You know, mom, get up. You know how kids are. Yeah, they certainly can be school. tough. Uh, so apparently he was too tough, and mommy called the police. They sent an officer out, and she got the kid up off uh, and sent off on the way to school. I'd never heard of such a story. But yet, one day later, from Monica Chen at the Herald Online, another a mother convinced Rock Hill police, this is in South Carolina, to arrest her 12-year-old son, 12 years old, after, what did he do, Mark? 
Um, did he burn some ants with a magnifying glass? Did he hurt the neighborhood dog? I don't did know. Did he uh, injure next door neighbor girl? Twelve year old. I... <laughs> what could he possibly have done in the vein of absurdities that would have caused her to call the police? Broken a window with a baseball. Unwrapped a Christmas present early. You're kidding me. The boy's great-grandmother had specifically told him not to open his Nintendo Game Boy Advance. Which she had, I wonder if she told him that this is the Game Boy Advance, now you can't open it. Uh, which she had wrapped in place beneath the Christmas tree, according to a police report. But on Sunday morning, that's right, the police actually filled out a report on this. But on Sunday morning, she found the box of the popular handheld game console unwrapped and opened. When the mother's 27-year-old, on the boy's 27-year-old mother heard about the open gift, she called police. Quote, he took it without permission. He wanted it. He just took it, said the 63-year-old great-grandmother. Uh, great so now it's the grandmother that's um, calling the police? Uh, mom called the police, 27-year-old okay. mom. But grandma was, ava- uh, was I guess, on hand. I see. Uh, both the great-grandmother and the mother asked the boy on Sunday where the present was. The boy replied that he didn't know. When the mother threatened to call the police, whew, man, sweetie, you need to get a few more parenting tactics in here. Uh, the boy then went into his room and got the Game Boy, the report stated. She called the police anyway. Two Rock Hill police officers, two of them, responded to the home. My man, they're really busy there in Rock Hill. And charged the boy with petty larceny. He was charged as a juvenile and released the same day, said Lieutenant Jerry Waldrup, who added the boy was never held at the jail. Quote, we wouldn't hold a 12-year-old, he said. I bet you would if he murdered somebody. The Herald is not identifying the boy or his mother and great-grandmother because of his age. On Monday night, the mother said she had her son arrested because she didn't know what else to do. And here's why. She had the child when she was 15, the woman said, and has been a single mother struggling to earn a business degree. She's now 27. And she hasn't apparently learned a darn thing about parenting in the last 12 years. She said the boy likes attention and has a history of bad behavior. He has shoplifted from stores and stolen money from her, she said. Why are you giving him a Nintendo if he's (laughs) stealing things from you? The boy has also been inching towards expulsion from school, she added, and even punched a police officer last month. He was arrested for disorderly conduct in that incident. She hoped the arrest... Aren't you supposed to reward kids with... Uh, for good behavior with Christmas presents, see, this woman just doesn't get this whole parenting thing. Well, I don't know. I think everybody just believes that they're supposed to buy their kids presents, whether no. they're good or not. When little Johnny punches the police officer and steals stuff from you and hurts other people, you give him a lump of coal. <laughs> she hoped the arrest give would him be a lump on his head. Yeah, she hoped the arrest would be a wake-up call for him. She dreads getting a phone call someday saying that she, uh, reporting he's been killed. The boy quote showed no remorse when the police came. The mother said, well, what's he supposed to do? I mean, he opened a Christmas present early. It's certainly not the violation that uh, attacking another person is. Quote, I'm trying to get him some kind of help, she said. He's the type of kid who doesn't believe anything until it happens. Waldrop said the women were seeking help with a problem child. He's a disruptive, disorderly kid, according to the cop. Said he trusted the two responding officers to exercise discretion when deciding whether to arrest the youngster. Quote, in a case like this, if the parents and grandparents are adamant about it and they feel the child has a serious problem, I can't second guess what the officers did. The mother told police officers she would have, uh, would have the boy placed in the State Department of Juvenile Justice in Columbia after his court appearance. Waldrop said he was not aware if Rock Hill police have ever arrested a child for unwrapping a Christmas present early. Well, um... 
uh, let's look at this from the private perspective. Suppose she's um, decided, I can't handle this boy, and I need to uh, figure out some way to take care of him. Now, there was, uh, I remember there was a program for uh, misbehaving middle-class white kids that uh, was going on in, in my town. It was called the, the Palms or something like that. Okay. And um, they would take take kids away for either drug problems or behavior problems or whatever. And Isn't that Charter? Uh, I think it turned into Charter later. Okay. Um, I think the Charter bought Palms. Right. Anyway, um, and, you know, the parents would pay, or the parents' insurance would pay X amount of dollars per day in order to keep these kids in there for whatever period of time, and they'd get to come out in furloughs and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, what essentially she wants is that program without having to pay for it. She Mm -hmm. wants the public to pay for it. Yeah. And uh, I don't really feel like paying for her misbehaving kid um, to go to, uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, he's only going to be more messed up by sending him to the uh, juvenile detention center. But uh, I don't want to pay for it. Because he unwrapped a Christmas present because he doesn't behave you? Hmm. I don't feel like I should. Because you're a lousy mom. Because that's what she is. She's a lousy mom. She had a kid at 15, wanted to do the right thing, which, of course, is not the right thing. It's never the right thing, at least in today's society, to have a kid at 15 years old. I know you're somebody who thinks you should just have a kid whenever you want, Mark, but I think you'd agree with me that 15's a little too early in American society to have children. Right? Um, unless you're Amish or something. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, that's a different kind of <laughs> Yeah, that's not exactly American society. Right. So in this case, uh, what an amazing story. I mean, how, would it, how is it that the police can field these phone calls without just laughing and saying, sweetie, try calling somebody who cares. Bye-bye. I mean, really. What? I, aren't the police supposed to protect... Well, I guess they are protecting property in this case. It wasn't his property uh, to open. It was a gift, and technically it's the uh, gift giver's gift until the day the gift is actually delivered to the recipient, right? So maybe it was a property rights violation. Maybe this was okay after all. 800 It was a property violation, but it's a, um, it's a minimal one that should have been handled by the yeah. family. Absolutely absurd. And the idea that the grandma and the mom couldn't handle this together is just... Um, unbelievable to me. Yep. More than adults can't handle a 12-year-old. You take control of the airwaves. Toll free. 800-259-9231. Coming up, another reporter might face contempt charges. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. That's toll free. And it is the Packet 8 toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. We do ask that if you like the fact that we give you everything for free at freetalklive.com, that you vote for the show to show your appreciation. Head over to vote.freetalklive.com. It'll take you less than a minute's time. All you need is your email address. And it makes a big difference for us because when you vote at vote.freetalklive.com, it helps us stay in the top ten podcasts of the world. And being in the top ten means that more new people are going to find Free Talk Live, and thereby more new people are going to find the message of freedom and liberty. So if that's important to you, vote.freetalklive.com. Well, freedom and liberty uh, once again under attack in a uh, courtroom. San Francisco, the SF Gate reporting a dispute between the Justice Department and the Chronicle over the use of grand jury testimony in stories about athletes' steroid use will come down to a showdown in a San Francisco federal courtroom. Federal prosecutors will ask a judge to order reporters Mark Finaru Wada and Lance Williams to reveal who leaked star players' admissions that they had taken illegal performance-enhancing drugs. The reporters in the newspaper have been served with subpoenas for grand jury transcripts and any documents that would reveal the source or sources. 
if the judge refuses to dismiss the subpoenas and orders the reporters to testify, and if they ultimately refuse, as they should be free to do, this is a very similar case to some uh, some other cases that have happened in, in recent years where reporters have been punished, even sentenced to jail time for refusing to reveal uh, reveal their anonymous sources. They could be held in contempt and jailed until they agree to talk or until the grand jury term expires. The newspaper could be fined for withholding documents that are covered by the subpoena, though its lawyers denied that the paper has any such material. Such an outcome, if it occurs, is probably at least several weeks away after further proceedings before the district judge Jeffrey White and re- uh, after further proceedings before the judge and review of his decisions by higher courts. But if there was any doubt about the risks journalists face in confrontations with the government, it was dispelled in another San Francisco federal courtroom earlier this week. On Tuesday, freelance reporter Josh Wolf was found in contempt and sent to prison by U.S. District Judge William Alsop for refusing to turn over to a uh, grand jury the videos that he took of an anarchist protest in the Mission District last year. Prosecutors say the grand jury is investigating the alleged attempted arson of a police car. Wolf could remain in prison until next July. Now, actually, we remember we had talked about that story a little while back when it was sort of developing. The idea is that he was at this protest with a video camera. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't get footage of the individuals burning, the, attempting to burn a police car. But should he be forced to turn over the footage that he captured to the court? I, I don't know. It's such a... Property rights, freedom of... This is a property rights and a freedom of speech issue. Because in the United States, it seems to me that if you have the freedom of speech, the flip side of that is you also should have the freedom to not speak. And the Fifth Amendment bears that out as far as incrimination against yourself and all of against that. Against yourself, but it doesn't say anything about incrimination with somebody else. And courts but have you always shouldn't had, be forced to speak against anybody else either. Courts have always had a certain amount of power when it comes to getting evidence out of people. And if they had no um, power, then what good would they really be? Well, they've got plenty of power, but if, they, if the well, police I, my can't question is, is, get their own evidence on their own, then that's their fault. That's too bad for them. I think that if there was a murder going on, then maybe this guy might have turned over his tape. You, you're just presupposing. Yeah. What if he didn't want to? Well, then I'd support his uh, his freedom to destroy I, his evidence. I, I get that you probably would. It's his property. The government doesn't own the tape and that video camera. I understand. And just because a court passes some sort of uh, declaration shouldn't mean that all of a sudden his property becomes theirs. I, courts have always had a certain amount of power in this arena, mm-hmm. um, and... You know, I don't in, in these specific instances, I think athletes should be able to do drugs, um, do and performance enhancing drugs if they want to. And um, I think that uh, in all likelihood, cop cars wouldn't get burned as often if uh, if there wasn't such enmity towards between the public and police. Mm-hmm. If the drug war wasn't going on, I, I, I don't think that there would you would see this kind of thing going on. There wouldn't be so much cla- so, so much clashing. I agree with you. But, um, you know, if. If this guy's got video of some guy killing my mom, I really want him to be forced to give that video over to I know to the... you do, but it's his video. Mm. And what if he says, sorry, I dubbed the tape the other week? Well, it's gone then. I mean, it's different than saying, no, I won't give it to you. Well, how do you know that he's not saying, I don't have this video? And they're just saying, well, we don't believe you. We think you do. Now we're going to put you in jail. I mean, what, really, you could get rid of the original tape, make a dupe, put it so in a safe somewhere, and claim that the original is gone, and then what? I mean, this is all seems really kind of questionable. Their methods here, 
because if this person uh, – it's just outrageous to me that uh, that the courts can get somebody – can order somebody to just give up their free speech rights and give up their property at at a drop of a dime. Anyway, his case differs from the case of the Chronicle reporters in one major respect, as he's not protecting any confidential sources. But Wolf's central argument, which also brushed aside, is the same position uh, is the same position taken by the Chronicle reporters that journalists have at least some degree of constitutional protection from government intrusion that would disrupt news gathering. California, like most states, has a shield law that protects journalists from being held in contempt for refusing to disclose confidential sources or unpublished material. But proposals for a federal shield law have gotten nowhere in Congress, and the state law doesn't apply in federal court. In the current legal climate, quote, it's not a great time to be a reporter, said the Loyola Law School professor Lori Levinson, former federal, uh, former federal prosecutor. Quote, prosecutors have become much more aggressive in seeking information from the press. That's not to say that legally they're not entitled to it. I think under law as it currently stands, the press has very little protection. She cited the case of Judith Miller. Again, another case we've covered here. The former New York Times reporter jailed for 85 days last year for refusing to say who told her a Bush administration's critic wife was a CIA agent. Yeah, that was a big story. Yeah, a federal appeals court, considering that case, ruled there was no constitutional protection for a journalist to withhold material from a grand jury, a finding cited both by Alsop in Wolf's case and by the prosecutors trying to get the Chronicle's reporters to testify. So they've already used the Miller case as precedent to lock this other dude up. And now they're trying to use it again in the current case of the Chronicle reporters to try to lock them up or to force them to testify. This is a little chilling, isn't it, Mark? I understand your concerns about your uh, your mom's murder being caught on tape and everything like that, but shouldn't the, for, uh, the freedom of speech be paramount here? Or the freedom to not speak? I don't know. Um, I, you know, in, these, in all these instances where you're, um, you're pointing out I don't like those particular cases because it seems to me the government's overstepping its bounds in general. Um, so specifically, it's using the first, you know, the, this attack on the First Amendment or the Fifth Amendment, depending. Um, as well, the police wouldn't say they're overstepping their bounds. They would say we're trying to investigate a crime here. Which crime are you referring to? Arson on a police car. Well, you know, um, I. I understand in that case that that is a crime. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that in the wider view. Probably people wouldn't be rioting and setting police cars on fire if they considered police officers to be peace officers instead of but that doesn't matter drug warriors doesn't matter what I matters understand. is the fact that they're really chilling out uh, free speech and if reporters start to get scared yeah. about uh, their ability to report without being punished then what are they going to report what's that going to mean What's that going to mean? I mean, I understand that... What's going to happen to free speech in general? Exactly. That's why I'm saying you need to put free speech uh, paramount here instead of your emotional feelings about what might happen if your mom got murdered and somebody videotaped it. Because the the free speech is the critical issue. Because if we lose freedom of speech, then what else do we have left? I mean, gosh, we're losing our freedoms left and right here in this country, and this this is a major freedom that needs to be protected... And unpopular speech, as you've cited many times, Mark, is the reason for the First Amendment. And if, obviously it's unpopular for this guy to withhold the evidence that he may have about the police um, car being burned. That may be an unpopular position, but he should be free to do it. It's his tape. It's his report. Anyway, going it on. that way. The Chronicle reporter's uh, attorney says it's going to be a very difficult battle. E. Burton, general counsel for the Chronicle, says we have a strong case, though. The case stems from the federal investigation of BALCO, the Bay Area Cooperative in Burlingame, 
Uh, Balco founder and three other defendants have pleaded guilty to distributing performance-enhancing drugs and served their sentences. In June 2004, after the defendants were indicted, the defendants in this case wrote an article quoting grand jury testimony by track star Tim Montgomery, who said he'd used the drugs supplied by uh, the, those people. Six months later, the reporters quoted Giants outfielder Barry Bonds and Jason Giambi of the New York Yankees as having told the grand jury that they used drugs provided by Balco. Bonds says he thought that he had been using legal substances. Giambi admitted knowingly taking steroids. The information had not been publicly revealed by prosecutors who allowed the drug distributors to plead guilty without naming the athletes they'd supplied. The, the articles prompted a congressional investigation and a new steroids testing policy for Major League Baseball. Grand, uh, grand jury proceedings are, are secret, and it's a crime for a government employee to disclose transcripts, so they wanted to know who gave them up. And he didn't want to tell. And he shouldn't be forced to. And it's an outrage that we're forced to pay to lock him up until he decides to speak. Which is, of course, what's going to happen. More's on the way. You take control. Hour 3 coming up. 800-259-9231. MySpace is trying to protect kids from pervs. We'll find out how. Coming up. Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free. But if you think other people deserve to hear this show, consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. Help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the packet8.net toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All all the features on the site are completely free, so enjoy. freetalklive.com. Let's go to another website, Mark MySpace. You've heard of them. They're one of the biggest, most popular websites in the entire world. No, really. I think they're in the top five. I bet they are. Uh, there's something like 100 million users at this point, mm-hmm. or some some absurdly large number. And I don't know, does the site... I don't spend as much time on MySpace these days just because I'm so busy doing other mm-hmm. things. But does the site have as many bugs as it used to have? Is it still as bad as it was? It's it's not as buggy as it used to be, but it is still cumbersome. Um, just an, It's just an awful site. Um, I've never. It's it's mostly unnavigable. I, it's kind of a messy, yeah. uh, not very f- user friendly. Sometimes site. things come back as errors when you know they just get errors all the time on it. And I, I but it know. is big and it is popular, and that's why free yeah, talk doesn't live, seem to matter. And we do have a presence there. Uh, you can go to Free Talk Live's MySpace profile at myspace.freetalklive.com. That's MySpace. FreeTalkLive.com. We don't promote uh, promote it very often, but we've got something like thirteen thousand friends, and Good that's Lord. a big deal, I guess. So it's a it's a new. Uh, there are actually a number of listeners that have found the show through the MySpace profile. So mm-hmm. it's effective. Yeah, it really working. does work, which is why so many people use the site. Of course, since so many people use the site, it's inevitable that it's going to attract an undesirable element. Sure. And in this case, we're talking about perverts. Yeah. Right. What's going on, Mark? From the AP, MySpace building a tool to block sex offenders. Hmm. The popular online hangout, MySpace, said Tuesday it will develop technologies to prevent um, and to help block convicted sex offenders, the site's latest attempt to address complaints about sexual predators and other dangers to teens. Because it's, you know, a lot of young people use it. It's um, They try to, to keep the, uh, I guess, people from under 18 or under 16 from... Fully and actively participating. I don't know exactly how that works. But I think you, can, you just, can have a profile if you're 14 on MySpace. I think you can have a profile, but not everybody can see it right. until you're 16. But you Something just like lie that, about yeah. your age if you feel like it. So it's, you know, 
I think that it's going to be a pretty similar. How are yeah, they going to nothing... stop sex offenders? They're not really. Let's find out what their plan is, though. I think this is really just a plan to get some publicity and to uh, allay the fears of some. Uh, Overly worried parents. Yeah, some dumb people. MySpace is partnering with Sentinel Tech Holding Corp. to build and deploy within 30 days a database that will contain the names and physical descriptions of convicted sex offenders in the United States. Now, I believe it. I mean, I believe 30 days, they could probably have it done. Yeah. It's an, not the government is why. An automated them system. Three years. Right. An automated system will search for matches between the database and MySpace user profiles. Employees will then delete any profiles that match. Parents, school oh. administrators, and law enforcement wait authorities. Wait, 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 wait. What are they searching for? Just the name the of the names. person? Well, it will also so, contain their physical descriptions, but yes. Oh, I see. So here's a hint uh, for anybody who's a mm-hmm. wanted sex offender on MySpace. Don't put your real name in. Okay, yeah. you've defeated their checks. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> it. That's it. You know, this is MySpace we're talking about. Right. They're, they've got a crappy website. They're going to have a crappy security system. Mm-hmm. Parents, school administrators, and law enforcement authorities have grown increasingly worried that teens are at risk on MySpace and other social networking sites, which provide tools for messaging, sharing um, photos, and creating personal pages. Well, I guess the question then, this begs the question, Ian, how are they going to keep teens safe on the Internet? How can the police come up with a system to keep teens safe? The police or MySpace? Anybody. You can't. You're right. It's ridiculous. It's it's nothing more than a a cure all, a panacea. If parents it's want to protect their kids, snake oil. If they if parents want to con- um, protect their kids on the internet, don't let their kids on the internet without being supervised. That's precisely the answer. You want your kid to be protected? Just a great way. Buy him a little laptop. Let him sit in the kitchen while you're making dinner. Or better yet, uh, I mean, because it's it's ludicrous to believe that your teenager is going because that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about teenagers. Uh, we're not talking about. Uh, Kids. We're not talking about eight-year-olds or ten-year-olds getting on MySpace, uh, though who knows, that might happen too. But we're talking about primarily kids 13 to 17, who our uh, parents are concerned are going to get all into a conversation with some pervert. He's going to lure them out to his house and have sex with them, or worse, maybe rape them or uh, do something violent or scary. And that's an understandable fear in, in a parent's mind. I, I get it. But I think that the solution to just brush it off and to say, well, you should just monitor your kids at all times. Well, you and I both know, Mark, that when teenagers are told they can't do something or that they're going to be monitored on the computer, they're going to look for alternative ways Mm -hmm. to use the computer, use the Internet, maybe go over to Johnny's house and do it there or go to the library or go somewhere else where they can get access to the Internet without your knowledge or approval. So I think that that's... You know, that's useful to an extent, but I think it's more useful to just educate your kids about how to be smart when it, when it comes to dealing with people online. A, you don't go to somebody's house that you've never met before. Hey, you know, this, isn't, this is common sense, you would think, but we're dealing with teenagers who don't have any common right. sense. No guarantee so, that, uh, that the teenager that you're talking to online is, in fact, a teenager. So you gotta, parents need to learn about... Online uh, meetings, they need to learn about what the appropriate way to meet somebody new is. As though, for instance, just imagine, even though I know you don't want your teenagers to date people and meet people online, but there's a chance they might. So you have to accept the reality that they might. So understand the, the parameters that surround a safe online meeting. For instance... If you want to meet somebody, and this doesn't, it doesn't matter if you're a teenager or if you're 27 or if you're 50 and you're doing online dating, these rules apply. If you're going to meet somebody, 
meet them in a public place with other people around, like the food court at the mall. Or it's always a great place. Taco Bell, or you know, something where there are other people around, to where you're not going to be able to just be grabbed, thrown in the back of a trunk, and uh, driven to some desolate location and murdered. Um, you know, just that's a, a sensible idea that's going to help pe- keep people safe. That way, you can sit down with that other individual, have a conversation as you were expecting to do, and uh, maybe get to know them a little bit better, and maybe feel out their intentions. Of course, again, then again, if we're dealing with a teenager and a uh, a 27-year-old man or something like that, uh, they may not be able to feel out his intentions. But then again, if it was someone who was posing, for instance, as a younger person... Right. Somebody they who's would, lying about who they are. Right. They would find out. And that happens a lot online. People sure. lie all the time about not only how old they are, but how how they look and all these other factors. You're going to find... You're going anything to out- that their age, anything that they might in, in any way be... Uh, think is going to... Other people are going to think badly about them. Off, them. Yeah. yeah. So you're gonna you're going to get rid of the liars right away by asking for a public meeting place. You're gonna get rid of the dangerous people right away by asking for a public meeting place, unless you're really talking about somebody talking who's long-term online, dedicated. Another way on um, talking to someone online is the uh, validated photo that uh, we use for our Shrine of Female listeners. Well, you could still get a validated photo, but that doesn't mean the person isn't dangerous. No, that absolutely true. Right. So, I'm just saying that that would you know that would allay the are they who they say they are. Right. So. Issue. Just go through a couple of standard kind of dating tips, online dating tips with your teens so they understand what is and what is not appropriate. And if you have an open kind of relationship with your teenager as far as you talk about these things, instead of being the kind of parent that just just says, no, you cannot go on MySpace. Look, your kids want to go on MySpace because that's where all their friends are. They're going to go. So don't just be this just say no parent. Be a parent, in my opinion, that that will understand the desires of teenagers in today's age, that they want to participate in these online networking forums, and to participate in it with them, you know, to an extent where they aren't embarrassed about you being nearby, or they aren't embarrassed about you uh, maybe seeing their profile. If, for instance, if you've got a teenager and you're this kind of crackdown-style parent, no drinking, no drug use, no sex, you know, one of these kinds of parents, that mm-hmm. your kid is not going to want to tell you about the photos he or she is posting on MySpace. Whereas if you have a more friendly kind of open relationship with your parents, it wouldn't be a big deal if you're not afraid that your parents might see a picture of uh, your buddies partying at the high school party last weekend then maybe it wouldn't be uh, you wouldn't be as reticent to show them your MySpace profile or to share with them a message that you've gotten from some weird guy on MySpace. Do you see what I mean, Mark? Am I making any sense here? It, it, it seems like it to me. I, I was raised by the, you know, no, dr- no drinking, right. no drugs, no sex, no nothing, and I was hell on wheels. Yep. I, 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 I don't know. It doesn't seem to me like the right way to wa- raise a kid is to, you know, be open to conversation. Conversation can go a long way, I think. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts, if you're a MySpace user and you've got any tips on how to stay safe, because you can't count on MySpace's technology to keep you safe. And there's another reason for that coming up. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That is the packet eight. Toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. Archives are there, so if you've missed a moment of the show, we've got it for you. Front page of the website. You don't have to log in. There's no membership fee. You just go download it for free at freetalklive.com. So enjoy. And don't forget to get registered now for the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. 
February 23rd through the 25th. Meet libertarian superstars like John Stossel, Michael Badnarik, and many more. The most influential libertarians in America will be there. Freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. For more information and to get registered, that is freestateproject.org slash Liberty Forum. Now, Mark, you had uh, shared with us that MySpace, one of the most popular Internet websites, is going to be implementing a new technology to prevent sex offenders from getting access to MySpace. Right. And uh, what's the technology? Well, they're going to analyze the <laughs> names of the sex offenders when they allegedly register under their true name for MySpace. Which they don't have to. If they're foolish enough to do that. They just type in a name. Right. They could type in Mark Edge right. if they wanted to. And uh, but Which if, is exactly what I did. If the name happens to match a sex offender in one of these government sex offender registries... God, I should hope not. Then... In that case, they're going to... Um, Eliminate the profile. Just get rid of the profile. I presume they'll probably send them a message and say, stay away from our website, you bad, bad man. Well, I uh, think that that's jumping to a conclusion, though. Um, there's probably a guy in some web, um, some sex offender system somewhere named John Smith. Mm-hmm. So does that mean they're going to eliminate <laughs> oh my gosh. every John Smith? Because, yeah, I wonder I about mean, that. I mean, it might be one thing if you're talking about Engelbert Humperdinck. Yeah. <laughs> but not when you're talking about John Smith. Well, right. They're going to have some MySpace employee going through each of these alerts. They're going to flag, essentially, these accounts for review so they can actually check to see if it is indeed the pervert John Smith or if it's a regular John Smith. But how long is that going to take? I mean, how much time is this guy going to be spending? I presume they can. Let's pre- just presume this system's going to work fine, and it's going to ferret out the huh. the sex offenders. And I don't see why it would. I mean, it will it will highlight the people with the same names. The employee will go through and do his job and check and make sure mm-hmm. that they aren't real sex offenders. But just like with the sex offender database, parents should be very careful before they believe that this is going to keep their children safe. And we were pointing out some suggested tips for parents as to how they can really help their kids stay safe online, not just on MySpace, but meeting people online in general, anywhere, Facebook or through email or for instant messenger. But you have to remember, parents, that if the sex offender hasn't been caught, arrested, gone through the process, gone through the system, had his name entered into the sex offender registry, he's not going to get caught if he registers on MySpace. There could be 100,000 people on MySpace who are potential sex offenders, people who would just love to get their hands on a teenage boy or teenage girl who just never have in the past. And they're going to use MySpace as their first opportunity to do so. So remember, if they're not in the sex offender database, the MySpace checking program has a 0% chance of discovering that they're a pervert. Do you see what I'm saying? So you have to do more than just rely on technology and rely on the good programmers and good people. And I'm sure they have good intentions. I'm sure they really mean the best with this program. But they're not going to keep your kids safe. Don't believe it for a second. Let's go to Gene, the Christian anarchist in Tennessee. You're on Free Talk Live with Ina Mark. Hello, Gene. Well, I was going to start off with a quote from George Bush, but after I've read it over a few times, I don't think I can say it on the air. Oh, my goodness. Is it offensive? Or what? why? Well, it's got the word God bleep in it. And I don't know if I can say that. You can just say GD. GD will be good. Okay. The Constitution is just a GD piece He's, of paper. Yeah, yeah, we've heard about that. It's an alleged quote, but it certainly sounds believable. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm listening to you guys with one ear, and with my other ear and both eyes, I'm watching my new Aaron Russo's film, uh, Freedom to Fascism. Ah, uh, yes. 
And it brings up my favorite conspiracy theory, which is the income tax mm. and uh, the Federal Reserve and all that. And uh, I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. Have we you? actually saw it at the preview when they were uh, t- uh, taking it around the country. Are you kidding? We're so important. They sent, a, <laughs> they sent a limousine down to get us for the first viewing. That's not what? true. No, it's not. Oh, you didn't. Okay. We had to pay for our tickets just nice. like everybody else. No, we did go. Uh, we didn't pay for the tickets. It was we free. Okay. But we did pay for the gas and the parking, which and was we like gave, seven bucks. And we gave the uh, the, the folks um, from... No, it was yeah, even, we threw them a few bucks. Yeah, the from, We the People. We the People, yeah. Well, I, I met Aaron Russo back when I was in Nevada. He ran for governor there. And uh, mm-hmm. when he was in Reno one time, uh, I went to his uh, little get-together there. And he seems like a very interesting guy. I mean, he's been around Hollywood. He's He's... Obviously, a colorful fella, mm-hmm. but he does get—he does seem to have his facts straight on the income tax. Now, I've told you in the past, I've been fighting the IRS for 30 years. I started in '78, I think, was the last year that I filed a 1040 form. Wow, 1978, and have they have they come after you? Oh, sure. Yeah, I've I've had to fight them for 30 years. Did I you ever mean, go to court? I've never gone actually to court. How I've have you to... fought them in 30 years? Pardon? What are some of the examples of how you fought them if you haven't gone to court? Well, I've had to go to a couple of hearings at the IRS office, you know, where they um, um, uh, try and determine when you're going to pay and all that kind of stuff. And I'd go there and I'd say, well, okay, show me the law. Of course, they don't want to hear that. And I'd uh, ask them to uh, show me their delegation orders. They won't do that. They'll just say, look, we're not here to talk about the Constitution. What the heck is the delegation order? uh, Well, supposedly, if you have authority to do something, there should be some trail somewhere showing where that del- that authority came from. And right. That's called the delegation order. I see. Okay. So if I say that I have the authority to come search your house, you have to say, well, where does where's the string of authority lead from? You know, where did it emanate and from, and how did it get down to you? A, conceivably, a cop that came to to uh, search your house would probably be able to show that, whereas the you believe the IRS can't, right? Yeah, a cop should be able to show you a search warrant, although they don't do that anymore either. But uh, it's a similar thing to a search warrant. They're supposed to have a delegation order saying that they have power to do this. Of course, it doesn't exist. Neither does the law that says that you have to pay income tax. But when you say that. that to an IRS agent, don't they just dismiss you as frivolous? Yeah, of course. So, it's now considered frivolous to raise the Constitution of the United States as an argument in income tax. Yeah. Well, right, so, because uh, because the courts are behind them on this, and the judges will back them up and say, yeah, well, what are you talking about? Of course you have to pay income tax. Everybody pays income tax. So, I mean, how do you deal with that when you say, well, show me the law, and they say, well, that's frivolous. What's What comes next? Well, it, the thing is, George Bush is right. He said the Constitution is just a GD piece of paper. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely true. It's nothing but a worthless piece of paper with some ink on it. Mm-hmm. The only thing that gives teeth to any conceived uh, concept such as law or justice or anything like that is people willing to fight for it. And the American people are not willing to fight for it. I've looked at, you know, I've That's been true. dealing with this for 30 years. The government bureaucrats are more than willing to fight for it. I thought 30 years ago, man, the income tax has fallen. This thing cannot stand because it doesn't have a leg to stand on. How did you end up leaving the office that day with the IRS agents? Oh, they almost kicked me out of the office. Why? They wanted me to leave. In fact, they called an end to the hearing and said, okay, that's it, we're not talking anymore. Why? (laughs) We're sick of you. Why did they do that? 
because I was raising these issues. You know, where's the law? What's the, you know, what's the basis for your authority? Why do you think they didn't file charges against you? I mean, they've certainly railroaded plenty of other people that have asked similar questions, don't you think? Well, they've gotten a lot of money from me. They've taken money from bank accounts and and seized things. I see. So they so, did uh, They did punish you, so to speak. Oh, they've punished me gotcha. for my stand. Gene, thanks for being so courageous. We appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. If only more people would do the same thing. They wouldn't be able to handle it. More's on the way. Should we invade Vietnam again? We'll find out. With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, your show. You take control of the airwaves toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the Packet 8 toll-free line. That's 1-800-259-9231. Ian here with you. And Mark. You join us online at freetalklive.com. Enjoy the wiki, wiki.freetalklive.com. It's like the listener-editable version of the freetalklive.com website. Over 850 pages created by listeners like you. Wiki.freetalklive.com. Well, Mark, are we ready to invade Vietnam again? Isn't it about time? I mean, it's It seems been, like a really bad idea to me. It's been 30-something years. Uh, isn't it about time we came back for round two? What do you think? Um, I, th- I think we should really avoid that. Why? Because fighting a land war... I, I don't want to fight a land war anywhere. They're but, communists. Uh, we need to get rid of communism. Um, why? Communism's oh, taking care of spread itself. Spread democracy. Communism's taking care of itself. Democracy, if it's so great, should spread on its own. Amidst all the comparisons of the Vietnam War, according to Jacob Hornberger from the Future of Freedom Foundation at LewRockwell.com, with the occupation of Iraq, people seem to be ignoring an important question. Why not invade Vietnam as well? After all, everyone knows that Vietnam is not a democracy. In fact, unlike Saddam Hussein's dictatorial regime in Iraq, the Vietnam dictatorship is communist. And U.S. officials reminded us throughout the Vietnam War that communists are committed to burying America. You think they've just lost their commitment over the years, Mark? Moreover, let's not forget that the Vietnamese communists killed almost 60,000 American men. That is, many more Americans than Saddam ever killed, and in fact, 20 times the number of Americans killed on 9-11. Now, they killed them fighting a war, you know. Killed them nonetheless. Okay. Wouldn't an invasion of Vietnam only not only spread democracy in that country, but also avenge the deaths of tens of thousands of American men? Okay. So why was President Bush recently visiting Vietnam and shaking hands? With its communist dictators, instead of leading a U.S. invasion force into Vietnam as his, comp- uh, his capacity as commander-in-chief. By shaking hands and even partying with the Vietnamese communist dictators, Bush was implicitly conceding that the issue of regime change in Vietnam properly lies with the Vietnamese people and not with the U.S. government. By his actions, he was saying that the U.S. government would have no more right to invade Vietnam and liberate the Vietnamese people than the Vietnamese government would have to invade the United States and liberate the American people. Regime change, whether through the ballot box or through violent revolution, properly lies with the citizenry of each particular country. I would have to agree. Not with foreign governments, especially since the price of such regime change is oftentimes extraordinarily high in terms of death and destruction, as the people of Iraq have involuntarily discovered. And I would proffer the uh, families of the soldiers who are dying in Iraq. All of these people have discovered this. Uh, and I'm, you know, they, he mentions death, destruction, but uh, at the same time, it's been, I think we're $600 billion into this thing, and what have I got to show for it? Less money. Yeah. Well. Less freedom. Actually, 
they're probably not taxing. Uh, taxes really haven't changed much since Bush came into office, which means, in fact, it's less money and less freedom for my grandchildren. Bush's refusal to invade Vietnam isn't much different from how the U.S. presidents treated Eastern Europe during the Cold War. As miserable as the citizens of Eastern Europe were after U.S. officials delivered them into the clutches of the Soviet communists after the end of World War II, the issue of violent regime change properly lay with the Eastern Europeans, not with the U.S. government. They chose peaceful means, even though it took almost half a century to throw off the shackles of Soviet tyranny. Who's to say that Eastern Europeans would have been better off with a U.S. invasion that would have ended up killing hundreds of thousands of them and left Eastern Europe a wasteland? Now, why did Bush invade Iraq rather than to travel to Baghdad and shake hands with Saddam, as U.S. envoy Donald Rumsfeld did in the 1980s on behalf of the U.S. government, and as Bush himself recently did with the Vietnamese, uh, Vietnamese communist dictators? Well, the answer lies in a very simple fact. U.S. presidents use their standing army, which loyally and obediently follows presidential orders to attack weak and relatively defenseless third-world countries such as Panama, Grenada, Yugoslavia, Afghanistan, and Iraq, and only when U.S. casualties are expected to be low. With Iraq, as with Vietnam, it's obvious that they just simply miscalculated a bit. As the Iraq debacle continues to spiral downward, sucking ever-growing numbers of people into its death throes, all too many Americans continue to judge the invasion and occupation of Iraq by how many U.S. troops have been killed. But from a moral standpoint, Americans should also be asking themselves two important questions. Number one, under what moral or legal authority did the U.S. government invade Iraq, killing hundreds of thousands of people in the process? I, you're going to have a tough time answering that question. Well, somebody might be able to say, uh, it was my authority. I wanted the war, so uh, I gave them the authority to do it. Okay. But what about me? Well, Who did not give. Uh, me, I, I didn't actually do that. I was talking about somebody yes. theoretically. Well, what about I, me? I don't want to go to war. Doesn't my authority to um, not go to war cancel out your authority to go to war, or do you get 2x the authority because you want to go to war? How does all this authorities transfer stuff work anyway? Well, I, I would think that uh, since they have the authority, for instance, I... I, at the time, thought it was a good idea to go into Iraq. So mm. I would have given my authority. But now I think it's a bad idea to be there. Can I take it back? Mm. <laughs> come on, let's come on back. So apparently... No refunds on authority. What I say doesn't matter. Right. It only matters if you agree. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, like agreeing, you know, at the time it was a popular, it was a pretty popular invasion. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's it's not such a popular war now. And I don't know what all those people have changed their minds. I guess they're saying, Bush lied to us, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I'm taking the responsibility on myself. You know, I, I was unprincipled and thought that uh, we could use violence to solve this problem. And you were wrong. Yep. And uh, you're very, very adult of you to admit that, Mark. Now, about this authority transfer idea, I guess there aren't any refunds. I mean, you'd think that you could just take your authority back, as you were suggesting, but apparently it doesn't work that way. For instance... Uh, you could claim, for instance, that, well, you could ask the question, how does the government get its authority in the first place? And according to the Founding Fathers, the consent of the governed is the major factor there, in that uh, the governed, the people, are consenting to be governed, therefore they are transferring their authority that they each have over their own lives to the government. So they say, okay, I no longer want to have full authority over my own life, I'm giving you a portion of my authority, or all of my authority, so you can tell me what to do and tell me how to, li to live my life. So... That apparently is what some people would claim they've done in the whole social contract concept. But what if, as you say, you decide that you're done? Uh, you know what? I don't trust you with my authority anymore. I no longer want you to have control over my life. 
and I would like to have it back. There was never any sort of explicit transfer of anything in the first right. place. Nobody ever signed a social contract. There was never an agreement between the people and the government. There was just a formation of a government by a bunch of people who wanted to rule over others. And some of them wanted to keep the government in check, and to, to their credit, thank you for putting in the Bill of Rights and all of that. It certainly slowed down the process of big government. But no one ever consented to give up their authority. So hence, you can't really... Uh, revoke any sort of written agreement to get it back. Now, can you? Yeah. And these bureaucrats and politicians are certainly not going to say, oh, well, you don't want to be under our rule anymore? Oh, okay. Well, you can just go and have your own little life. They're not going to give up their so-called authority. They don't actually have it. All they have is a belief that they have authority and guns to back up their belief system. <laughs> That's all it is. They have a very strong belief that they have authority. Like, like the belief is so strong that... They're, they they're willing to feel, kill for it. Right. They don't have any compunction. There's no, no problem at all with using their weapons to kill you if you question their authority. Heck, if you just uh, – right. You don't even have to openly question. You can just not pull over for a police officer and, yeah. and they'll start to try to kill you. They will, really will. I mean, if you just say, I'm not pulling over for the car behind me with the flashing blue and red lights mm -hmm. because they're just – And the man wearing the costume. And red lights. Yeah. Um, and you can continue on your merry little way. And when you get to wherever it is that you're going, you'll probably have several cars behind you with mm -hmm. flashing blue and red lights. And you'll have lots of men and women in costumes with their guns out, pointing them directly at you, screaming things at you. Yep, trying to run you off the road and that sort of thing. Yeah, they, probably, they may very well. I'm, I'm just assuming you got to your um, place, uh, you know, uh, safely. And at that point, you... You know, can try to walk away to they'll be threatening you with bodily harm. I don't think they'll be threatening at that point anymore. If you try to walk away, if you're if you were going to Walmart and uh, for whatever reason the guy with the flashing blue and red lights uh, tried to pull you over, um, and you just don't go and and you had a mile or two between here and, and there and the Walmart, uh, you're going to have them probably throwing you to the pavement, putting handcuffs on you, shoving guns in the back of your head or in the small of your back. I mean, it's going to be a really, really violent experience. Jacob's second and final question is, if the U.S. government invaded Iraq to spread freedom and democracy, as U.S. officials maintain, why is it cozying up to such totalitarian regimes as the communist dictatorship in Vietnam? 1-800-259-9231, if you've got an answer. 800-259-9231, the packet, eight toll-free lines. Moments remain, still enough time for your call about whatever you want. That's why we call it Free Talk Live. show is free talk live only moments remain and this is the tuesday edition you can still bring up whatever you uh, whatever you want toll free at 800-259-9231 that's 1-800-259-9231 it's in here with you and mark and you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com enjoy all of the features there they are completely free there's a couple different ways that you can help support the show if you like the fact that we give away our website features for free and you want to help free talk live out you can buy some free talk live stuff at store.freetalklive.com that, again, is store.freetalklive.com. we got Free Talk Live hats, a variety of them. Free Talk Live t-shirts. I've got mine here. It, it looks very good on you, Mark, I, read, I must say. You know, there's not a hat that doesn't look good on me, Ian. I haven't seen you without that for uh, days in a row. Now. I love it. I, it's, it's just the kind of hat that I like. It's, Have you gotten any compliments on it? Any questions? Any interest? I, I, I haven't really. No one's uh, hmm. really asked anything about it. I think the... Uh, the symbol's somewhat ambiguous. People are like, hmm, I don't what know what that? that is. But maybe after over time, someone will ask. Indeed. Uh, and but they don't very, get out much either. They're very sharp-looking clothing. Uh, it's very high quality. This isn't cheapy crap that we're selling. 
store.freetalklive.com. There's also DVD classic archives, compilation sets. There's the Free Marketeer flag, which is uh, now there. People are demanding more products with the Free Marketeer uh, symbol, logo on it that Johnson created, which I think is great. We're working on that uh, behind the scenes. We're also working on some new products, maybe a Free Talk Live hoodie for those of you in the colder climates. I know that's in high demand. Also, I, I think know everybody likes hoodies, right? Our lady list, yes, um, it's a nice unisex product. But our lady listeners have been uh, demanding the baby doll tea, so we're going to work on that as well. Hopefully, those products will be available sometime in early 2007 uh, at store.freetalklive.com. And we believe the uh, the credit card page on the AMP program is back online. So head over to amp.freetalklive.com. If you've been waiting for that to come back on, you don't want to use PayPal to amp the show. The credit card form should be working, though. You may be our guinea pig to, <laughs> to find out. Amp.freetalklive.com. But it is secure, so you're all safe as far as your information and stuff is concerned. Uh, let's go to the Liberator Online, the Advocates for Self-Government. Uh, James Harris in Good, Ma- uh, Good News, Bad News, Unbelievable News, the minimum wage hike. Some economic fallacies never die. They just go into hiding for a while, then suddenly come roaring back to plague us again. Take the minimum wage. The newly elected Democratic Congress has announced that one of its top priorities is to dramatically increase the federal minimum wage. That'll help everybody. Prominent Republicans, including the president, agree. Might as well. It's a wretched idea, however. (laughs) An increase in the minimum wage will inevitably cause harm to huge numbers of the very low-income workers it's supposed to help. It will destroy many entry-level jobs cause significant unemployment and poverty, and have many other negative effects. Now, do you think that they're just making these claims up just to be mean towards those people that are getting the minimum wage? I, to scare people? I think I think that mostly it just doesn't matter. The The minimum wage just doesn't matter. Not that it's terrible, oh, it not does. that it's bad. Oh, it does. It does all the things that they just mentioned. Economists have, have proven it. Give me the list again. Okay. It will hurt the very low-income workers it's supposed to help by destroying entry-level jobs, causing significant unemployment and poverty, and many other negative effects. In fact, well, it, I think it probably does destroy a certain amount of entry-level jobs um, for a period of time, and then they come back. Because basically the market it, um, levels itself out once they raise the minimum wage. The market just goes and figures it all out again, and then essentially the amount of money that they were getting paid previously becomes the amount of money that they're getting paid now in real dollars, and it doesn't matter. I don't know about that, Mark. Uh, I'm not an economist, but uh, the economists think it's a bad idea because it does destroy those jobs. Maybe some of them come back, but I think overall it probably has a negative effect on the unemployment numbers in the United States. I I can't think that it's particularly good. It used to be common wisdom, in fact. Indeed, a 1978 survey taken by the American Economic Review found that fully 90% of economists at that time agreed or partly agreed with the statement, quote, a minimum wage increases unemployment among young and unskilled workers. In 1987, even the liberal New York Times called for the total abolition of the minimum wage, declaring, quote, there's a virtual consensus among economists that the minimum wage is an idea whose time has passed. Raising the minimum wage by a, stanch- uh, by a substantial amount would price working poor people out of the job market. Now, while you're probably correct in that some jobs are gained back over time just simply because the, mar- the market scales back up, the economy sort of scales back up, mm-hmm. the fact is still that there are always going to be workers that aren't worth the minimum wage. And even if the minimum wage is $20 an hour, there are going to be workers that at that time you're only going to be willing to pay 10 to. 
I, I would agree that to. There, there are certainly and the are higher people... that number goes, the more people are going to be left out in the cold. Maybe it'll only be a percentage here or a percentage there, but over time it will add up. I don't think that it adds up, though. I think that it, it scales back. Well, I hope somebody with more economic knowledge than you or I can, uh, can really clue, uh, clue us in here. In... Uh, so the New York Times advocated the abolishment. However, the minimum wage fallacy was snatched from the graveyard of dead political ideas in the 1990s by two highly controversial studies that claimed to find little or no job displacement from the minimum wage. Those studies relied on, quote, fantastically faulty methodology, according to a new study by the Nonprofit Employment Policies Institute. But it was enough to revive the idea politically. Hoover Institution economist David Henderson, an expert on the minimum wage, recently summed up the fundamental arguments against it in the Wall Street Journal. In raising the minimum wage, the government doesn't guarantee jobs. It guarantees only that those who get jobs will be paid at least that minimum. But precisely by requiring this, the government destroys jobs. Someone to whom an employer was willing to pay only the current minimum wage of 5.15 might not produce enough to be worth paying, say, 7.25. You know, it may very well. I mean, the money has to come from somewhere. Raising the minimum wage, Henderson says, quote, will help only a subset of the people that it's thought to help and will help them only a little while hurting a lot of them, or some of them rather, a lot. According to Henderson, the proposed increase from 515 to 725, a 40% increase, could mean the loss of up to 1.6 million jobs. Mm-hmm. Now, even if they do all come back as your, per your theory, Mark, it still hurts those people right then. Sure. They, I, and that's I, no I get good. that. I get it especially entry-level jobs that allow young people to gain valuable work skills that let them move on to better-paying jobs. Recent history bears this out. The 1997 National Bureau of Economic Research study estimated that the federal minimum wage hike of 1996 and 1997 actually increased the number of poor families in America by 4.5%. Other studies indicate that employers faced with having to pay more for labor cut back benefits, such as health insurance or on-the-job training. Sure, and, you know, the, the people that are pushing... Um, the minimum wage, they aren't poor people that want to get another dollar um, in their paycheck. They are um, union unions that have all kind of political clout and union workers that get paid based on a multiple of, of the, the minimum, minimum wage. wage. So they so get a raise, too. They get a raise by four or five dollars yeah. because for every dollar the minimum wage gets raised. That's pretty despicable. It is, absolutely. And, and they I don't think care. most, most uh, minimum wage workers know that. No, and the union workers could care less how many minimum wage workers are out on the street right. because they got a raise. Other I, studies... I, you know, I mean, why should they care, really? The other studies indicate that uh, other employers cut back on hours, force employees to work harder, replace workers with automation, or simply eliminate jobs altogether. How about outsourcing, huh, Mark? Yeah. Send the job somewhere else. Is there a better way to help low-wage workers without harming so many of them? Well, yes, says Jim Cox, author of the booklet Minimum Wage Maximum Damage, published by the Advocates. Detax them. The working poor are hit with taxes everywhere they turn, including taxes on essentials like food, clothing, housing, and transportation. They must also pay Social Security and Medicare taxes. And don't forget, when poor people are paying rent, they're paying property taxes. For instance, I've got a duplex here in in, uh, the city we live in, Keene, New Hampshire, that the property taxes here are $6,000 a year. Now, that translates to 500 bucks a month right. that I have to pay out in property taxes. My rent that I charge next door in this duplex is $950 a month. I bet it'd be a lot cheaper if you didn't have to pay $500 a month in taxes. Right. Even if I wasn't living here, if I had both of the units rented out, then I could reduce the rent by 
150 to 250 dollars a month for both sides, both mm-hmm. units, and that's you know 250 dollars a month for a poor family. That buys a lot of food. Yeah, that'll pay for your kids to go to a private school, or at least certainly pay them to to have them homeschooled. Anyway, so you've got to reduce the uh, the burden on the poor in the form of taxes. They also, of course, pay Social Security and Medicare taxes. Free these workers from this government-imposed burden. Let them keep the full wages that they earn. This would benefit them far more than the minimum wage without the minimum wage's disastrous effects. That from the Advocates for Self-Government, their excellent website, theadvocates.org. I highly recommend subscribing to this little newsletter. It's called The Liberator Online. They've got over 68,000 subscribers in over 100 countries worldwide. It's one of the most, I think it's probably the most, yeah, they claim it, the world's largest circulation libertarian publication. Hmm. And it's free, of course. Theadvocates.org. In fact, the advocate Sharon Harris is going to be speaking at the upcoming Liberty Forum in February uh, here in Concord, New Hampshire, which we're going to be attending. We're going to be broadcasting live from the New Hampshire Liberty Forum. So you'll get to meet uh, Sharon, which is cool. And a lot of other interesting people. So why aren't we hooked up with the Liberator online? Um, how come? What do we? What do you mean? We're how come our up? ads? How come our ads aren't uh, showing up in in that particular publication? I don't know. We we've got a limited ad budget, my man. Oh, well, I'm not going to pay for it. Okay, just get it in there. Get something in. There. We've gotten an advertisement in there before. When we've had them on the show. They promoted it. So that's the way to get in. Have them back on. Eight hundred two. Hey, we're done. It's been Ian here. Yeah, with you. and Mark. All right. See you online between now and tomorrow night's show on our website at freetalklive.com. Have a great night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office products, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.